<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? This is the return, the return return of Moshe Kasher, one of my favorite comedians and one of my favorite friends, one of my favorite people, uh, the originator of uh, racist Stephen Hawking, medium soup. Here's, here he is. If you haven't heard the first two Moshis, uh, they're two of my favorite episodes and the third is no exception. He's wonderful. So as I always say, let's get to it quickly. I do want to say that I'm on tour right now. You know, stand-up comedy. Cleveland, San Jose, Houston, you bet. Phoenix, St. Louis, and I just added Salt Lake City. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Go to PeteHolmes.com for all of those tickets and more as we add them. It's me and the incredible Lara Bites. It's an incredible show. Hope to see you out on the road. We're also doing a live You Made It Weird here in Los Angeles. We haven't done a live one in a while. Uh, It's going to be great to see some weirdos live. And the guest, I'm stoked, is Kenny G. That's, come on. Me and Kenny? Me and the G? That's March 18th at Largo. And then uh, just about a week later, March 25th. Or is that exactly a week? That's exactly a week. March 25th is my Living at Largo show. Uh, which is always incredible. Zach Galifianakis did the last one. Sarah Silverman often does it. Largo-LA.com for tickets to those. Uh, It's going to be so fun. I'm so glad we're doing a live one and getting to hang out uh, in person. So hope you can make it. I do want to give a shout out to the old Pete's Picks. You guys know these. Uh, I don't do normal ads. I only endorse things that I actually use and truly love every single day. The first is Kachava. Kachava. Cachava is a plant-based superfood drink mix born in the jungle. The Cachava team are legit explorers. I mean that for real. When we had a conference call, they're always traveling around the world looking for the most exotic, nutrient-rich superfoods that have been revered by tribal cultures for centuries, and they brought them all together in one delicious, incredible meal replacement, basically. That's too cheap of a way to put it. It's not just a meal replacement. It is a meal, and it keeps you full for hours. It takes about five seconds to make. It's 100% plant-based. It's got omega-3s from chia and flax seeds. Get your omega-3s from plants. That's that's my advice. Eight super fruits, 17 greens and veg. That's right, I say veg. 17 greens and veg. When I'm on the road, I have a hard time getting those greens in me that make me feel fantastic, make me feel healthy, keep me vibrant and alive. 17 greens and veggies in the bag. Gluten-free. Soy-free, no artificial sweeteners, no preservatives. It's got digestive support built right in. 24 grams of plant-based protein. People are always saying, if you're vegan, how do you get your protein? Boom! Plant-based, 24 grams, and 9 grams of fiber. But here's the deal. It's actually delicious. It comes in chocolate and vanilla. You can make it just with water, which is incredible. It actually tastes great just in water, and you shake it up, which is why I travel with it. You can also make it with almond milk, strawberries, tastes like frozen chocolate, strawberry milkshake, but it makes you feel amazing, not bloated and disgusting. It makes you feel high. It gives you a nutrition high from macaroot, which is wonderful for vitality, cacao, which is incredible for mood elevation. It's also a very uh, high source of hard-to-find minerals. It, I got it to add to my smoothie, but it turns out it is the smoothie. I know uh, I found out since I started uh, taking it, using it, loving it, 
A lot of people use it for weight management because it does keep you full for hours. Uh, I got it because it makes me feel fantastic and it's actually delicious. It's as close as we've come to a meal in a pill. And you can show your support of this podcast and get some amazing cachava by going to cachava.com slash weird. That's K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird and show your support of this show. That's it, gang. That's all I got to promote, all I got to plug. Hope to see you in Cleveland, San Jose, Houston, Phoenix, St. Louis, or Salt Lake City, or on March 18th for Kenny G, or March 25th here in L.A. doing stand-up. Tickets are all at PeteHolmes.com. In the meantime, enjoy my dear friend, the incredible Moshi Koshi, Moshe Kasher. Get into it. was like, oh, Moshe has one of these. And then I'm pretty sure on the air, um, he said it wasn't, it wasn't as nice. So now you can say that it is as nice. You can say that it was. To I'm going to wear this blanket. There's a blanket there if you want. It's pretty chilly. It is cold. It's cold. Crisp. Crisp. It's crisp there in here. I swear. I, I just looked at that picture. And was like, what character actor is that? What Christopher Guest movie was that Hilarious. guy in? Ram Dass. People think it's... Uh, who do people think it is? John, John Cleese. Cleese. That's what probably what I thought. Yeah. Are you a Cleese head? <laughs> Didn't he talk shit? Wait, we're not recording, right? Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, I love him. Didn't he talk shit about like Nicole Byer or something? He did? Yeah, I think it was him. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was like a... Um, because of her cookie show? Something about her Netflix special, and he had seen it, and it was dirty, and he's like, but they, would, they wouldn't buy my special, but I guess they'll buy... It was like... It was pretty intense. Really? It was something about like maybe an ass-eating joke or something like that. Oh, because this is the kind of thing they like these days. <laughs> Wrong accent. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's uh, his? You do it. This is the kind of thing they like these days. Oh, it's a little more posh. I think. I think when I think John Cleese, I, I think. Is. Oh, Governor, this is the kind of thing they like these days. <laughs> is this tweet about me? John Cleese was this jolly young woman of black. <laughs> she says a black. Who John Cleese said that? That's what Nicole Byers says. Oh. <laughs> quoting the tweet. <laughs> He goes, a likable and jolly young woman did a highly original routine based on the fact that she was so fat she couldn't find her own pussy. My only disappointment was that when I approached Netflix in December, I had not known the sort of material they were looking for. Is this tweet about me? Was the jolly young woman a black... Like, that is the most subtle and pretty very funny way of being like... That was racist. And... Your yes, that's right. You're like but you're looking at this in a, from that lens. His defense was hilarious. He was what like, "I sure? said you were a likable young woman. I said it was a delightful routine." It's like, oh, do you think? You I mean, think I, guess, we, I guess Americans the, don't know sarcasm uh, at all. Yeah, or uh, British dryness. I guess the, uh, the 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 British are known for their lack of a sense of irony. Isn't that right? <laughs> it's like we we get what it's you like were saying. We made up Alfred. <laughs> He's not a real British guy. An, an American made up Alfred. Oh, who's Alfred? Oh, the Batman's, Batman's butler. butler. Sorry. That's, oh, erase the tapes. Wait. Erase the tapes. Well, I can do an Alfred impression. 
Never. Oi, Batman. I'm here. I finished sweeping up the chimney, right? That's not bad. It's 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 getting close to who plays him. He looks like my aunt oh, Sandy. Oh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine, not my aunt Sandy. Edit that out. Wait. Now you don't have to edit it out. Hello, Batman. He doesn't. How you doing? It's more of an insult to him than my aunt Sandy. <laughs> edit out. Erase the tapes. Who can hide your identity? I'll hide you. Oh, I get it. The candy, the candy man from uh, the candy man, can. the candy man cane. We were watching Love Actually last you night. Just missed, I think, really a nice the riff. Ca- the candy man cane. <laughs> Michael Caine singing out of in character, but then revealing that he's the actor Michael Caine <laughs> within his musical number. Usually, they don't like you to do that in musicals. The candy man cane. Uh, he looks right at the audience. <laughs> The Patty Lupone he, he's, cane. He's listed as Alfred in the playbill. And, and then also he, listed as Michael Caine as himself. He's, he's listed twice because of one line. The cane demon cane. Hi, everybody. I'm actor Michael Caine. <laughs> Somebody told me when Robin Williams dropped by UCB, and did like the Herald Knight or something that he would do that to hilarious effect because it's so distracting that he's Robin Williams. Oh, he'd break out of character and say, I'm Robin Williams. He would like step forward and go, Hi, I'm Robin Williams. And <laughs> like address funny. what was going on in the scene. It's a really smart move. Did you know him? No, I saw him at uh, Meltdown once. He, uh, did you know him? I minorly knew him because of your oak. Oakland? Because of my Oakland. Um, I, he used <laughs> your, to... your Oakland is showing, dude. <laughs> Thank you. It's big, right? <laughs> ah! It's not Oakland big, but... <laughs> it's big for Oakland. Um, it's bigger than the average of Oakland? It's big... No, no, no. It's big... No. Speaking of love, actually, dude, we're watching it like... Uh, the sexual climate has changed so much. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Robert Williams, but you making that big dick joke... Like, there's just so much going on in that movie where you're just like... Is this okay? Oh, you mean it's gotten um, weirder to talk about sex stuff these days. But I mean, especially there's a lot of like office place, like the boss being like, and then maybe I'll take off your panties. <laughs> like, that's my own <laughs> And then maybe I'll unwrap you. I'll tell you what. And gotten... she's inappropriate. Like, it's like, it's like, just like, wow, this shit's inappropriate. It's gotten to the point with PC culture. PC what? P- PC culture is PCC? Like... Well, PC culture is like a. PCC? Well, P- PC culture is PCC. like a... PCC. Well, PCCP is... Well, PCP... The Candyman Cane! You know what the C in PCP is, right? PCP? Yeah, it's, it's cane. It's, is it? It's Yeah. Pure cane? Pure cane pussy. <laughs> From Hawaii. Wow, she has PCP. Pure cane pussy. Oh, it, it was, was sweet as a, as a sweet tart. No, it was, it was pure cane pussy. It was, uh, it was such a good character actor, I felt like I was in different women. Every time, no. Wow, I Any? think. Okay, I wait. Because Kane, Kane is such a character. Is he a character actor? No, he's, he's always he's him. always himself. He's always my. <laughs> What's a character it? actor? A character I don't know actor. What, what's an actor? Let's start there. What is acting? What is acting? I'm going to write down Robin Williams. What's the work? That's hilarious. When Ollie G did had James Lipton, he goes, "What is acting?" <laughs> and James Lipton goes, "That is an incredible question." And he means it. Yeah. Because he's like, the camera hates acting. 
And he starts going off, and then he goes, no, no, what is <laughs> um, What were you saying? About? Oh, Paul Giamatti? Paul Giamatti is a He's character guy, actor. Isn't he? I was not mentioning Paul Giamatti. But when you said Love Actually, every time until you did the accent, I thought you were saying Love Island. Love Actually. Love Island, Love Actually. Love Island. Have you not seen Love Island? Is it some trash reality show? Oh, yeah. But it's it's epic it's a british it's a british show it started as a british show now they have it here but we watched the first season of natasha and i watched the first season of it and it's so compelling there's a lot going on there uh but one of the primary things you realize speaking of candy man is that it's all british and it's like you know their their version of white trash or whatever yeah and you realize immediately like very white trash oh my god they're stupid are so much smarter than our stupid. Like the average oh. Love actually, Love Island contestant is the equivalent of an American defending his PhD thesis. Like it's, un, it's unreal. That's really funny. It's true. Are you sure though? Because when I watch things with, or when I meet a British sometimes, yeah. we're also delighted. I've said this a million, so I'll keep it brief. We're also delighted. And then you just find out they're, they're, that's just their cultural, like in the way that our cultural thing is like, Give me that ham sandwich! Like that's it's not like, really my cultural thing. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Give I me that cheese sandwich. There you go, without meat on it. No meat, no filthy meat. <laughs> Give me lamb. Lots of Give lamb. Me chicken. <laughs> All the clean animals. Have you ever seen a lamb just cutting its meat and eating it <laughs> with a fork and a knife and a plate? And a... You're talking about a lamb eating meat off of its own Dude, body? I'm doing a riff about how rabbis be full of shit. <laughs> Because no animal is clean. You tell me, Peggy Darty. What is that voice? I uh, thought you were doing Give Me Lamb, Lots of Lamb Under Sunny Skies Above. What? Don't uh, fetch me in. Well, that's that's a great ad for free-range lamb. Yeah, there you go. Give me lamb. Lamb, lots, lots of, of lamb under sunny skies above before you murder my little body. Oh, no. no it's the lamb is singing. Hold on. Here's how it goes. The lamb is singing a song dedicated to how good it's how humane its treatment is before it's killed on this one farm and then in the middle of singing about that the lamb turns to camera and goes i'm michael kane <laughs> <laughs> hello love i'm michael kane hello love hello love uh creepy i just thought of michael kane hitting on somebody and it made me uncomfortable you would to cleanse your palate, think of Michael Caine making love to a free-range lamb. <laughs> <laughs> Give me lamb, no, I'm lots of lamb. lamb, with that PCP above. And they ask him to wear a condom, and he goes, don't <laughs> fence me in. And then, Michael, if you're going to fuck this is and then John, then, if you're gonna fuck a lamb, <laughs> wear a bag. And then John Cleese arrives, and is like, well, if I'd known this was the kind of material Netflix wanted. Oh, Hello, we, Michael. The, the goal of this episode is to have John Cleese tweet, I had two jolly chaps having a filthy right talk. And that brings me back to my point. So some basic bitch from Britain is just like, what are you having a laugh? You're winding me up. And everyone's like, go, 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 go. Or they, they just, they say different words and they're, and they're more musical and charming to us. You but don't are think they actually smart? Yeah. I think they're you think more, they are? I think they're more well-educated than we are. I don't know if Ooh. they're smarter than we are. Well, yeah. But you know, there is something, there is a very bright side to the Boris Johnson Thing, the whole Brexit. By the way, I'm Johnson. not even disagreeing with you because I fall for it too. But I can't tell if it's just the if whimsy, it's pure charm. If somebody's just like, 
I accidentally stapled me nards to the screen door. <laughs> and we're just nards? Like, I don't think nards is British slang, is it? <laughs> me jolly peepers. They have so many ones for their dick that we don't have. Me bobby and two knobs. <laughs> what? Me rabbit's eggs and me shank leg. What? Wait, we went back to lamb. It's free range. <laughs> Time burns, mate. Also, Wolf of Wall Street features Jonah Hill, remember, just jerking off, looking at a woman. I was like, he, uh, uh, we look at the world differently. Now. Oh, you just went to back to love. Actually, I'm back to. Well, that's what I was saying, yeah. Pete. PC culture has made it so that a guy like me, a OMG, straight white guy, it was oh, a hold riff. on, Pete, <laughs> a straight white guy like me. First of all, I, I'm uh, I'm out of work, oh and God. a lot of it is because like I can't. Okay, it's gotten to the point where I can't <laughs> even walk up to a female writer in the writers' room and just give her an hour to an hour and a half massage because she looks tense. And I'm like, oh, okay, PC culture. Because when I started in this industry, you could do body work on anybody that looked tense. You could do a chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> you come into the office. You put down a you put down a table. You're like, okay, I'm gonna, you can start on your stomach. Oh my god, you are the captain of the ship. <laughs> so funny. What were we saying though? I think we we're talking about how things have changed. Yeah, and, and that's good. I, I'm not saying that with falseness. I'm saying, like, it's crazy that we were ever like, what a fun party. Jonah Hill came out and jerked off, and that was a gag. <laughs> also, I was watching this video. It's on YouTube called Jack Nicholson, The Man, The Myth, The Legend, right? Because uh-huh. I watch a lot of, like, film stuff, and it recommends that because it's, like, an actor profile. Oh, you're talking about, like, back videos about the filmmaking process. Yes. Yes, gotcha. So then it was like, you might like this. And I just started watching it. And it's just anecdotes. And I was like, all of these anecdotes are not okay now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Gina Davis going like, I hung out with Jack Nicholson once. Huge laugh. And he's like, yeah, it was awesome. I couldn't believe you wanted to hang out with me. Power and balance. And then he bought me lunch. <laughs> Huge laugh. And then he goes, then he called me. This is the story. This is real. Go ahead, look it up. He goes, he calls me and he goes, Gina. When's it going to happen? <laughs> Huge laugh. And then I go, what do you mean? And he goes, you know what I mean. Huge laugh. And he goes, I think you have the wrong idea. And he goes, no, I'll send a car. Huge laugh. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't, I, don't, I don't have a judgment. I'm just saying that story now would be like tense and horrible. As yeah. it, it's, it's, it is. Well, the baseline. The baseline of, of, of heteronormative. Oh, oh, God. We were just riffing about having sex with a lot. <laughs> I do want to let me ask you this. But wait, let me. Oh, let me. I just feel I, free I, to no, finish. I'm down to say it. The baseline. I'm down to clown. I'm down to clown around about sexual assault culture. Um, the, the baseline interaction between men and women is based on the idea that uh, that men pursue and women demure. Of course, there's ten million. I'm going to need more for demure. What you mean, accommodate? Yeah, that, that that. By the way, there's 10 million exceptions to every rule. There's definitely sexual aggressors that are women and blah blah blah. But the basic Let's dance painting with the most broad brush. Yeah, the basic dance move that boys are taught and girls are taught is that the sexual uh, encounter is the boy saying, "Oh, come on," and the girl going, um, "I don't know." Okay, baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. I understand. And so that because what what is lost in that song, even though I in, also enjoy making fun of it when she goes. The answer is no. Yeah. Val and I were going to do our own version of it, That's where the funny. song just ends right at the answer is no. And you hear sirens. <laughs> you hear her older brother. But what my mother would say, and my mother is not not near like evolved in this way, 
She'd be like, that's what it was. Right. It was this cat and mouse sort of wink, wink, like you had to read the subtext. Well, I will tell you. The transcript would be like, no, James. Right. You know what I mean? I'll tell you. the. I'm glad that things are not relying on subtext because not everybody is fucking nuanced. Well, that's exactly. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly right. It's like, that's been the dance. It's like, I go and you say no and then you say yes and then I say please and then we beg and then eventually. Right. The idea that sexuality is about... um, submission is like we're get we're slowly getting rid of that and so the Dude, I, that's interesting i've never thought about it in those terms but you're right there's like a relenting right all right <laughs> that's why i said recently on this podcast i was like remember up until like i'm gonna say like 1999 no one said to a woman did you get laid last night it was only dude right you got <laughs> some right then like i'm glad i saw but i remember like where i was the first, I was getting dressed as a Puritan in a room, and someone said to my future ex-wife, "Did you get some last night? Did you get to, laid to her? <laughs> to her? Uh huh. About you? And it, it was me, but it was a secret because <laughs> Christian sex is white hot <laughs> and keep it on the deal. Yeah. So like, I, I was thinking like, I've been thinking a lot about that. Obviously, this year everybody has, right? Yeah. It's like you know the the, the main critique of the shift in sexuality from one. To, that is based on this, like, like you said, uh, what, what was the wording that you used? Where it's accommodating, like, a, but before that, like, it's 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 vagary, like oh, nuance. The, yeah, we're like sort of nobody says outright, "This is what I want." Are you down to? Are you also wanting that? Right. And so when people think about that, they think, "Oh, that's that's not romantic, or it's not hot." Well, you're you're also touching on purity culture, right? So the idea that. Having a frank discussion of like, do you want me to eat your ass is Uh like something you're not doing around the time they wrote Baby It's Cold Outside. (laughs) So that's where they're like, what's what's in this drink? Maybe one more cigarette. That's like the subtitles on in that scene is I eat your ass. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. I haven't been jogging today. Yeah, so like the and the critique is that it'll get it'll get cr- clinical and it won't be hot anymore, right? Right. But like is that's it, Martin Short in the Morning Show. Which one? Nothing's sexier than nothing's unsexier than consent. Uh, did he say that? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's um. But it's <laughs> if we. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> Me withholding my opinion on the morning. <laughs> Oh, I got it. And by so doing, you have I have it. given it <laughs> in full color. Full uh, vivid color. Well, I haven't seen it, so I have no opinion. Mark Duplass and Billy Crudup are both incredible on it, and that's 100% real. You agree? Yeah. And I'm watching every episode, so I mean... Right? Are you? Yeah. Can't stop. Can't stop. Can I... I will say this. I would say this to the creator of that show. Yeah. And I know we're on, well, a, I've got on a better here. Come on in. We're on a better subject, and we're going to come back. Because I want to talk about nuance and all that stuff. No, let's not talk about consent culture. Let's talk about the morning show. Every line. First of all, any episode could be the pilot or the finale. Any episode could be the pilot That's or the finale. It's, it's like there's nothing else like it. Where like everything is a 10 out of 10. Like, ah, like everyone's freaking out. I saw the clip of out. Steve Carell saying like. Uh, yeah. Ray. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that it's thing. really intense. And play this game, Katie. Val and I do it. After every line, just say, and that's my perspective, because that's what they do. They go, you're telling me I have to go on on the air with my ass on the line as a woman in this day and age, and you're saying I have three seconds to get on there? And that's my perspective. And then the other person goes, I need you to do it because the network is breathing down. Like, they, there's no, even if you love it, even if it's the greatest show in the world, 
it's one of those shows where people are just there's a lot of just saying exactly how they feel. Mark is a friend of mine. I'm sure he would understand what I'm saying. All right. Well, I'll have to see it. <clears throat> oh, you're bored because you No, I just you don't know how to comment. I mean Yeah, but the way you said that was like why did you just mansplain no, that to me? I'm, I don't I'm, like this. I'm into it. I, Go back to cons- can I? Do you want me to bring you back to what we were talking about? I want to talk about that lamb. <laughs> You're tempted to sing. Pete is tempted to sing. There's a look on his face I've seen before. <laughs> Believe it or not, Kumail's buff as fuck. He is buff. Now, here's what I was going to say about uh, the sex thing, because I don't know if I'm right. So let's have a, t- a conversation. Yeah. And Okay, chime in. Chime in. Chime in. Katie does not have a microphone. Chime in. This is a perfect analogy. You are funny. <laughs> Go ahead. Anything, anytime. If we get off the mark here, Katie, you just jump on in. No, Mike? No, no, no. We don't have an extra mic. But uh, if you want to send me a note, I'll edit it. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. I'll edit it and I'll put it out because that's the way it should be. But that that's just my perspective. You know what? I won't use the mic. <laughs> I have noticed, and I think this is kind of what you were saying, and I don't even know how to put this, but I've been thinking about it lately, where it's like, in general, really speaking in generalities, meaning that people are very complex and there's different types of people that are all different types. Sure. But in general, people have been encouraged to act like their genitals. And their genitals, so that's why men act like dicks. They're imposing. They're loud. They just the, the reason why this was so funny was I was acting like a dick. I was like, Katie, chime in. I got the microphone. That's what a dick does, meaning mm-hmm. in the sex act, it's, it's going in. It's sure. charge. That's oh, it's what, like a General Sherman. A General Sherman? General, you know, General Sherman. Wish I hadn't said that. Let's move it's more on. more like Sherman Oak, baby. It's Oak down there, Oak. <laughs> And, uh, but men also have balls. So we're like, we're so sensitive. I have a bit about this where like, I've lost my erection because the dog came in and looked at me weird. Right. So we're babies and we're trying to do something big, i.e. get and maintain an erection, which is big and strong and imposing, but really we're sensitive. And that's what the balls sort of represent. Mm. Then women seem like they're just a, uh, a container, right? But they're secretly strong. So we're strong, but we're secretly weak. They're, Strong, but they they present as accommodating, right? But obviously neither of us are this. But women are supposed to like what is a good date in tradition? You know, the, the cheesecake woman, factory. She's I mean for behavior. Lemon. Oh, sorry. The woman. I was is just thinking of my ideal like, romantic date: cheesecake of- factory, Santa Monica Pier. Cheesecake Ferris factory wheel. isn't bad, and you know it. Ferris wheel, three D movie. Not bad. I like that it looks like Indiana Jones owns it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the the menu that huge menu should be written on a scroll. What's the that is a big menu? What's the greatest date you've ever been on? You're not even going to let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like their genitals. No, please. Oh, I'm sorry. 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 Please. It's okay. No, I want to hear it. What I find liberating about it is when you realize that you were encouraged culturally to act like your parts. Mm -hmm. It makes you realize that that's not who you really are. But as a man or a woman, you're just like, oh, you just wanted me to act like a flower, and the other was supposed to act like a bee. That's fucking stupid. So the girls are supposed to be and and withhold their power so they can. Be, let the fragile man do his confidence routine so you can like think about a, a scandalized man and uh, like back in the day and the wife is supposed to like stand in a comedy because it's hard to be a man it's hard to get an erection yeah and so i laugh at his jokes and i make him feel safe so he can be the big man there's a does part, that make sense totally yeah i mean there's a there's a part in the AA. Fuck this podcast i'm not releasing this one. <laughs> <laughs> really you got self-conscious in the middle of your own analogy no i just thought your balls came in 
Oh, my God. See, that's exactly my fucking point. <laughs> if you could see how often Val is just, like, encouraging me or comforting. You know what I mean? Like, that's not that's not a, a penis. That's balls. Yeah, right. I mean, I will... I so much balls. I will say that in my own personal relationship, I can feel... I can feel the... Uh, there's, like, a... a, a a lack of resistance being a man there's a lack of resistance to allowing yourself to indulge in the baseline se- sexism of relationships like you know i will allow natasha to do things for me that because you know like if she wants to to you know get up with the baby and i'm tired mm. and i know i should probably do that this time and she's just doing it i'll kind of go like oh i'll kind of allow that like, I'm glad and, that you said that because if Val were in here, I get up, I got up with the baby this very morn. But there was some, there was some, there's some moments where that happens. Well, because I thought I've been thinking about it a lot, and I don't have it fully articulated in my mind, which is probably why it's good to get it down here on a podcast. <laughs> where I, where I, I, I haven't had the chance to really think it all the way through. But it's Let's like talk about the morning in, in order, <laughs> and that's my perspective. <laughs> in in order to like. As a man, in order to 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 stop the, I, there's a, actually a term for it in feminist theory. I don't, but I haven't really studied it. Uh, but where you know, like there's a there's a baseline sort of power imbalance in in a heterosexual relationship where you know all of these like historical like duty sets that are given to women are are are. are it the exists. old perspective was because you were the one that you had to get up if there winner. was a sound in the in the downstairs. Right. Like Ray, I right. feel like Ray Romano had that joke. It was some. It was never like spelled out, but it was like, yeah, you do the dishes because when there's a noise downstairs, I gotta get the bed. Yeah, but down. it's easy for him it's to like do it. Stuff. Easy for him to get away with it because everybody loves that guy. Come on, we're having a great time on the couch. I don't remember the theme song, so I just. They're in Queens. Da 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 da. Mom's next door. Is this King of Queens? Brothers, a cop, but everybody loves Raymond. He's got boys. Wife is annoyed. He's turned into one of our great serious actors. (laughs) How about that? Who saw that coming? He's really good. Dynamite are not worked, but Scorsese discovered Ray, and now everybody, literally everybody, everybody loves Ray. Oh yeah, right. Even those who used to not because they weren't in a comedy, now they too can love Raymond. That's the name of the article. <laughs> it's seriously, comma, now everybody loves Raymond. italicize there? Everybody loves Raymond. And you know, it was the big sick. Speaking of Kumail's pecs. Oh, yeah. Kumail, what are you eating? Chicken breast broiled. This is good. Broiled chicken breast and kale. What do you eat? The guy is cut. He looks fantastic. It's wild. Would you want I, a body like that? No. No, I wouldn't either. Do my act with that body. <laughs> Do my act. You know what I'm saying? Impregnated not, with muscle tissue. It's <laughs> No, it's like I was just like that's not me. Right, right, right. It's not I think he looks great. I actually think this is Kumail. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm like I see that and I go, yeah. He always had that in him and it feels right. He just swept away some some leaves for me on his walkway. For me I'd have to <laughs> bulldoze the house 
and then build a whole new house. What would you like to change about yourself if you could, physically or otherwise? Um, just, I would like my, I, I don't have man boobs, but I wish my chest were more flat. Mm, mm-hmm. That's vulnerability right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, totally. Because you know when like Bert Kreischer takes off his shirt, I'm yeah. like, yeah, he doesn't have tits. He's got like the perfect big boy body. Yeah, he's just a big boy body. Yeah, that's, and it's the same with Farley. Farley didn't really. Well, he sort of did. He but did. you know but what I mean. Farley like, was pe- beyond the point. That's right. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> he was we're not, not doing dignity this this decade. I'm just saying when a fat guy takes his shirt off and he has a flat chest, I'm like, there's no vulnerability here. Right. I take my shirt off and you're like, he's kind of got a little. I had a gay guy tell me once he wanted to titty fuck me. That'll get you doing push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> what, like a fan after a show? No, when I was at Bennigan's. Just a random man? One of the staff. He, oh, you worked And at talk about how things were different. He grabbed them, mashed them together, and said, I want to titty fuck you. And everyone was just like, it's 2003. I don't think that was allowed in 2003. It's 2003. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could never do that. Everything is fine. <laughs> do what you want, because everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> Oh, so Everybody Loves Raymond was a show about a, a, a server at Bennigan's titty-fucking yeah. Pete Holmes? Yes, you kind. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out. One of his eyes was looking right in camera. Oh, don't make fun of Kane's eyes. Who can fuck Pete Holmes' tits? The kind man, Kane. <laughs> now we're all victoring it. <laughs> that is a nice image. Michael Kane. Pulls out of a lamb, takes his condom off, <laughs> oh. walks into a Bennigan's fully erect, but with a butler's uniform from the waist up. He's like, asks, I'd like to order home? a Monte Cristo. <laughs> That's what he calls it. He calls Titty fucking no, Titty is not said, laughing no, at all. No, he says, he says to the assistant, he says to the assistant manager, I'd like to order a Monte Cristo. <laughs> you immediately, because that's the code word, get, get, uh, assaulted by all of the serving staff who holds you down, oh, brings you out no. in a, in, into I the antechamber. I don't want it in this rift. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, you want what it? if there Sorry. was a keychain, a rift detector for people who are sort of tone deaf to when people are joking? So it's on your keychain. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Like, oh, this guy's kidding. Yeah. So when you're on a date and the girl's like, yeah, I love the morning show. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> And then or says, you're on a date and they go, I love the morning show, and it doesn't go off, and you're like, Jack, please. <laughs> oh, my God, Pete. Dude, Jack, please is legit funny. Jack, please had such a long run. It's back, baby. It's got to be back. Jack, please is McRib. That shit's back. <laughs> Jack, please is the funny, the first person that wrote Jack, please, genius. Oh, the first person to scream check, please, at a restaurant? I bet it was in a movie or a TV show before. Ooh, I want to know now. If someone went check, please, Where it comes from. Where does the check, please, come from? Let me ask you this. Yes. You're a writer. It's 1982. Yeah. You wrote, you're going to write Field of Dreams at some point. I can't wait. I love it. You're at a restaurant. Someone goes like, and that's why my, my balls, I have four balls. And you go, and then you're sitting next to a guy, and he goes check please <laughs> and everyone laughs and then you put it in the script how do we feel about that oh is that thievery that one no, of my that's favorite what parts writers of, do that's what i was i was gonna say too yeah one of my favorite parts of shakespeare in love which i think is still a good movie i enjoy it oh brother i tried to watch it but do you have a sentiment sentimental connection to it i don't but natasha and i are doing a project where we, we are watching each of the best picture winners in order mm. and we have watched all of them from the beginning and uh well. And Shakespeare in Love is one of the winners. I remember. We couldn't, we couldn't finish it. Really? 
Yeah. It's fun. It's Tom Stoppard. It was, I mean, it was of a time. It was of a time. And it's the first, dude, you asked me what my best date was. Yeah. Fucking seeing Shakespeare in Love, I was the first movie I made out with somebody. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. It was a sexy movie in its way. Dude, speaking of, I'm off the P.O.R. N. Okay. Why would I have known what P.O.R. was? I don't know. It's the airport where they make porn. Wait, altogether? You're flying into P.O.R.? Wait, have you talked about this a lot? This is the first time I've talked about like a decided, in the way that I stopped drinking, Yeah, I am stopping porn. Wait, you are stopping or you have stopped or Tom Stoppard? Shakespeare in Love. (laughs) You are the king. You're the funniest man. But wait, are you done? Yeah. How long has it been? Uh, What is it? What month is it? December? It's been since October. Wow. And tell me, can I know more? That's why I brought it up. But this is what I wanted to say to you. Yeah. So Shakespeare in Love. Because I'm on it. If I believe I'm on you the are. porn. Yeah, sure. You know who else is? Yeah, everybody else. Every <laughs> single person in the world. Right. Uh, that's not true. But most people. Any though, I think. Since going off, the main feature, I told you we were watching Love Actually, and there's that scene where uh, there's like there's a boob in that scene. And it's titillating again. Oh, you're getting excited. And sex is so much better. I, I would say this if Val is in the room. She takes her clothes off, and you're like, holy shit. Like, you haven't seen 20 different nipples that day. Mm. You just saw these nipples, and you're like, fuck, yeah. Like, it's so much better. Interesting. It's really worth it. To I stop. love it. Wait, so you think others should stop? No, let's not go there. I want to share the benefits that I'm enjoying. Why have you stopped? Was it to make sex better? No. What was the reason? I was never crazy about it, uh-huh. and I'll tell you why. I, and by the way, for people that are into sex work and sex workers' rights, and you're dignity, against them. You're against them I'm and against think them. that they're they're I'm living an immoral them. choice. I think it's an immoral choice. Okay, no. he's holding up a sign saying, "I'm serious right now." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. My keychain is not going off. <laughs> and that's why Jews run the media. Wait, oh my god, the sign's back, down, baby! Everyone looks down to the keychain. <laughs> The sign is back. You're like banging it against the table. I think the battery, the battery. The battery's broken. And then it starts beeping. (laughs) I wasn't a bit. Did we just come up with the best movie? I'm just kidding. The bit detector? No, we didn't. Um, Well, I guess because I don't think, I think human beings run on images. Mm -hmm. Images matter. What do you mean by that? I mean that like. Images, okay, so this is in the four arguments for the elimination of television. TV and all these things don't exist until they're in your consciousness. So, like, what you watch has an effect on you. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever watch violent things or sex things or whatever. I'm just saying it's a fact that the first, by the, this is the point he makes in the book, by the time you've seen it, it was already in you. It was, you can't watch something and then go, forget it. It, it only came together, the strung together frames and the soundtrack only existed as a as a cohesive image already in your brain so it affects you why why porn though why not get rid of violent do you think watching violent imagery affects your psyche in some way probably but it's different here's here's one of the things let's talk about it i'm curious i have I'm no curious i just, too i haven't really I thought, thought about, about the why yeah. i just thought it was just such a natural like cuz i have so many bits where i'm like even if you love it you can agree you're not at your best that's that's just true I see. I've never had. I know that bit, not your bit, but I yeah. know the 
not that, to say that other people do that bit. Not to say that that bit's super hacky. Like to see, not yeah. to say that 91. I'd like no, to see no, listen, another my, comedian doing bits about how porn isn't great. No, I'd I, like to see another no, person doing that. No, I, 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 like, there, I have seen a, a joke like, you know, the idea of being ashamed after you masturbate. That's, oh, that's okay, what I was I thinking of. That's I what see. that brought. I've seen that bit. And I remember the, that kind of bit because it, um, it always resonated with me with like, I don't relate to this at all. I've never felt the slightest bit of shame. Yeah. After masturbating, like they, the the idea that the moment in af- my bit, sorry, yeah, the idea that the moment after you feel after bad, you after you ejaculate, no, that's one of the things you, I was always drawn to you because you didn't have clearly what I when my motherboard was being fused, I got a chip that you didn't get. Right, and I always thought that that was great and very interesting to me. It's all because of my mom. She showed me, demonstrated um, how to masturbate, and uh, <laughs> you always want to use your mom's hand. And if you do, you'll never feel shame again. That's my religion. My religion is kindness. <laughs> oh my god, the Dalai Lama. <laughs> yes, but the Dalai Lama was my mom and used oh, to masturbate me oh manually. Oh no! Yeah, Edit he used to manually out. release me. Edit it out. Um, uh, he would say free Tibet and. <laughs> 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 oh boy! Oh, I'm glad I said that. <laughs> How could you be mad at something that's making? Think of the untold thousands that are laughing at that in that way, in that podcast way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't say it on stage necessarily, but here it is. It is quite an image. We've so far we have Michael Caine pretty <laughs> fucking I'm you seeing it. The Dalai Lama moving his robe aside and his beads to another hand to manually stimulate me. Sometimes I take my beads off to jay it. No, really? Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. But it's not. It's it's just so I don't. You so say you don't nut on them? <laughs> is that is that what it is? Yes. Oh, I got gotcha. you. It's not shame. Right. In fact, Ramdas, here we are. Uh, he didn't say this to me, but he said this to a friend of mine that was also dealing with uh, jerking at shame. Yeah. He was like. Do it in front of a picture of of Maharaji, the guru. He was like, so you know that it's not like, I'm holy here and I'm being unholy here, that he loves you all the time. Uh He's like, that should be part of it. He's like, do whatever you want. Just do it without going like, I better turn the pictures around. Yeah, there's some story about a rabbi, a guy going to his rabbi and saying like, no, I'm not doing a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my keychain is dark as night. Saying to him, like, what do we do about the problem of sex? Like, it feels so good when when you have sex. Like, like he was basically ashamed of it, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. That it, it, we have to eradicate that that part, that animal part. And the rabbi saying, not only do you not eradicate that, but if you're ever doing it and it doesn't feel like ecstasy, you should stop and rededicate yourself to what you're doing because it's oh. it's pleasure because God made it pleasure or Richie, whatever. Richie Rohr, who I am obsessed with and love so much, he's a Franciscan friar. He thinks. One of the reasons we're obsessed with sex, and rightly so, is because God is relational. The universe exists in relationship to each other, to itself. That's that's just basic science. Like we're figuring out that more and more that things exist in relationship to each other. And he's like, and the and the people that wrote the Bible were intuiting that, and they were talking about God not as the dancer, but as the dance. That's why the the Christian Church tried to do it in the Trinity. I'm almost, I'm almost done. Let's kill ourselves. No, you, my cousin. I, just saw your eyes. I have something. My, your eyes just were like. No, I, don't I just like had this. a memory. My my cousin, who's a songwriter and actually a, a pretty famous songwriter in the Jewish world, is in a band called Moshav, which is actually a really good band. Um, it's called Moshav. It's a who opens cash off. <laughs> oh, I get you. <laughs> you don't even know it's so much like your name. Uh, 
he um no most shop which i can tell you about it's actually pretty interesting but um we'll edit this out well he has he says that a, a, the best love song you should never be able to tell if the songwriter is singing about a lover or god my friend kurt always used to sing praise music to his wife because he was like it's the best love music that there has ever been I, it's all we're talking I, about songs you don't know and it, oh, like the more hot praise music that yeah, kind of gets like, your wife going. Oh God, <laughs> slip that robe off, put it on the cloud, let's see your big bang. No, nothing you have said so far stopped me in my tracks as much as a man singing praise music to his wife before he tries to make love to her. It, I didn't say Our that. God is an awesome God. You are funny. God. You are funny. Good King Wences went to town <laughs> oh riding God. on a pony. You could think of one, and then you went Christmas. <laughs> This is my other keychain. It says Jew detected. <laughs> I don't praise music. <laughs> Jingle bells. <laughs> Baby, it's cold outside. That's a Christian song, right? <laughs> we have riffs. We have fun. Oh, boy. We haven't hung in a long time. And I, I know. Like, Let's I miss do it. you. It's weird. I miss you, too, very much. And I'm like. We should do it on mic because I knew it would be fun. Yeah. I bet. I think the last episode that came out, I complained that I never see you. But it was out of love. I was like, I never see my friends. Well, we both have kids, so we should take them. Yes. We should take them out. Let's take them kids out. No, I know. And Nick Thune was like, you have a kid. You have a baby. And I was like, right. I thought it was L.A. I, I, I was using it as evidence that Kumail... It's so weird to think that his muscles are so close to us right now. No, he has a baby as well. His, his body, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got that baby body. <laughs> He's using a bottle warmer to heat up. Hey, think about it. When you see his body, what do you first thing you say? Oh, baby. Oh, I go. My 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 tongue descends like a <laughs> like a staircase, <laughs> and he walks up it and then back down it. <laughs> it's a leg day. It's a leg day. Um. What were we talking about, though? Oh, oh we were talking porn. about porn. Getting rid of porn. Here's my thing. Forget all my stupid, heady bullshit images and blah, blah. I found that if I was watching a lot of porn, I would go out into the world just projecting sex onto everybody. It just became so normal mm. to see a beautiful barista and just picture sex acts almost involuntarily because that's what i that's what i was fucking watching in the same exact way oh your search word is barista i didn't know that that's interesting information i'm gonna steam <laughs> let me know when you're gonna steam now that's what i call a latte oh my or god something. cumpuccino Cumpe- very good <laughs> oh, yeah no. yeah extra frothy <laughs> and then you do the heart shape in it Oh, gross. This has been gross. No, but I, you know, I don't relate to you. I, it's interesting to me. I don't, ju- I'm not judging you. I'm just, I really don't relate. I really it, don't. It literally, it was men and women. It was just not that I, I'm not saying. Whoa, 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 oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. okay. See, this one I'm talking about PC culture has gone a little too far. <laughs> Perhaps a little too I'm far. I'm saying everything was just sexualized and everybody uh-huh. was just, it just changed the way that I would look at the world. Uh-huh. That does sound like I'm attracted to men. And if I was, I would tell you, that's not what I meant. I was just like, the whole world just became porn actors waiting yeah that's interesting you know it 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 affected you in a different way you know this reminds me of i can't not affect you yeah maybe it does affect me and i don't know i don't know maybe neil 
Our buddy, good Neil, good Neil, Brennan. good King, good King, good Neil. King, good King, Neil Brennan. <laughs> good King, Nusselswath went down. Neil let's make season three. I was gonna say, good King Neil went to town riding on three mics, something like that. Very good. No, or maybe riding on tuft and needle. Mulaney once said that dude so skinny looked like there were four mics. <laughs> Isn't that good? He just said it. Dude's just like a penis dispenser. Just candy falls out of his neck. Um, Neil said. That he uses it every day. He was like, I, I, I look at porn every day. And you know what? That's not, there were times when I was looking at it every day. I was like, it's weird that we're all just like, there's, there's, it's changing what sex is. That's for sure. That's not that, I believe. To to Jim Norton when I did his show, you know, he's, he's a sex positive fella, I guess. I don't know how to classify Jim Norton. But I was like, there's something not quite right. It's the same about getting all your meals delivered. There's something not quite right about that. There's also something not quite right about having your base human desires met by two-dimensional flat images that don't care about you. Now we're into David Foster Wallace territory where it's like having your needs met by things that don't love you is not participating in the universe. It's holding up. But, it's retracting. Oh, I guess I don't. I guess Let I, a human being Well, what be if you can't vulnerable. get laid? That's different. But why? If the if your if your if your thesis argument thesis I say thesis <laughs> if your thesis argument my bullshit uh, keychain is going <laughs> off my hey bro you're just a comedian light is going on no. we don't have that light here <laughs> yeah this is you made it weird we have a light that goes off if you're riffing too much um if you're but if your baseline argument is that 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 that. My BLA. The, the, the nourishing, your BLAPCP <laughs> is that the nourishing uh, uh, act of sex ought to be from a human being that loves you, and you are a person that is incapable for one reason or another of finding a person to give you that love, then you are always unwhole. And I kind of just don't feel. I'm not like, saying you're always unwhole. I'm not saying you're arguing that. I'm, I, I'm saying that that's the extension of the argument is that a person that can't get laid. I'm shouldn't... saying, a, 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 let's just say we're talking about Neil. It's there might be value in just going like, okay, fuck everybody else, fuck okay. Neil, take it all out. I'm saying I find value in just being horny mm-hmm. instead of always putting out any fire that's burning inside of me. Are you no longer masturbating? No, I jake it to what? The spank bank. But what is the difference between running through your memories and looking at some some image? It's a good question, but the images are showing me things. People, faces, expressions, nuance that, like, my my mind is not throwing me that. I'll tell you what I do This believe. is interesting, by the way. Th- I'm just letting you know that you're challenging me. You're making me think about it. I don't have it all figured out. I'm just, I was just saying it feels good and right for me Told, and to I, stop. And I buy that and support it. And, and, and by the way— But as we're talking about it, I'm like, I, I guess I don't have it figured out. Well, I also feel like maybe my, my image of—my idea of sexuality is as reductive as I'm maybe accusing yours of being. Like, you know, sometimes I, I do overcompensate in a way that I'm almost conscious of it, away from sexual shame. Like, it's also naive to say— that all all sexual weirdness, psychological weirdness, is just a product of like society or whatever. Although there is some part of me that believes that if if you think we're just animals, then we should all just be rutting in a field, looking for uh, ripe fruits. That's kind of my point. Right. I don't believe we're just animals. I believe you can. So going back to the idea of not God as a deity somewhere, but God being relationship and vulnerability and nuance and and flow and real world shit being where the juice is. 
including just maybe having a conversation with somebody about how you you're hurting because you can't find somebody to to be sexual with you and to have love with you um that that feels like the dance more than just being gollum it's a gollumy sort of thing to be just like in your cave with your ring mm-hmm. just going like i what it what instead of going like <clears throat> so is it better to have uh, like lots and lots of casual sex that's a great question i mean these are great questions i'm just curious i mean i, I would say probably not either i that feels to I'm me sounding like it, real like christiany and i that is not my intention uh well we'll edit it all out yeah this i told you we're not we're not gonna release this, this can i mention that i'm doing an album coming up um so no the <laughs> before you edit this out i do have a album coming up it's a 30 uh, second episode it's just <laughs> you saying that we cut free to bed we cut there's some part of me that feels like uh Lots of casual sex has the ability, not not the innate quality, but the ability to be more destructive to your humanity than watching porn all the time. Dude, completely agree. Sex can be pornified. Sure. It can be tennisified, too. It can be like playing tennis, where where two consenting adults are like, this is casual. Oh, yeah, totally. This is fun. This is sweaty. It's only for white I'm people. I'm wearing a headband. It's only for white people. Tennis. You are crazy. <laughs> that is funny. Wait, Serena and I know it was just a riff on the kind of you know. The, yeah, I got you. you I, mean, I prefer. Uh... I went. I'm wearing a headband. <laughs> okay, yeah, which okay. is also. I'm wearing my my Agassiz. I've taken off my beads and put on my headband. <laughs> oh my god! I turned the picture of Andre Agassi around because he's my guru. <laughs> no, you should stare in his eyes. And when I come, I go McEnroe. <laughs> Have I ever told you? I don't know if I've said this on this podcast, but it's very funny, and I think you'll love it. Can't wait. Uh, but maybe I've said it already. But who knows? You've done a lot of content. When I was single. And I was promiscuous. I used to, when I would go to the comedy store, and I would bomb. This is a, a story about the pathology of uh, promiscuity. If I would go to the comedy store, and I would have a bad set. Would you win it back at the buffet? I would, <laughs> sort of. That's a Nate Craig. Nate oh, Craig interesting. Where he said, you go to Vegas and you lose. He's like, don't win it back at the buffet. Very funny. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So I would get in my car, and I would start texting, like, booty calls. Yeah. At the comedy store. I understand. And if I got, I could text, 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 hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? If I got to Western and no one had replied, I would pull over at the Winchell's Donuts there and buy two donuts. <laughs> it was like, this or that? This or that? What drug will you be taking? This is like problems that's, of a sober guy, by the way. I was going to say that's real addict behavior. Yeah. It's like you go to the bar. If you, if you drink, you walk to the bar, you have a bad set, you go have a whiskey. But you don't drink, so you're like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Okay, buttermilk, old-fashioned it is. Oh, my Jesus. (laughs) Dude, to relate, I had a gig recently. It was a a corporate or something. It was some fundraiser. I couldn't be dirty. And I went up, and I was like, this set is rough. I realized my new hour, while it's not filthy, it relies – there's a lot of punchlines where I'm like, fuck! Like, Mm -hmm. I need to say that. I need to emote that. And I couldn't just be like – Jolly gee! It just, the bits weren't working. Let me just say, before you finish your story, I've seen this new hour, and I really liked it. It's really good. Thank you, Moshe. When Moshe. I watched it, I was in the back of the room at uh, Dynasty Typewriter, and I was like, "This." I knew you were good, but oh, I was like, wow. this motherfucker is good. Oh, thank you, Moshe. I mean it. I really appreciate it. I have it. an album coming out on January 20th. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so the set, I was sort of bound, and I had to do old stuff. Sure. And there's a terrible feeling for comedians when you do old stuff to like, don't worry, I'll just do an old, old clean bit, and I'll win them, and it doesn't even it work. It doesn't work. Oh, that's the worst. So you've like when sold you go to the, out. 
but for no and good failed. reason. Oh, the worst You're feeling. Like, no you... way. Little League, I had to wear a cup. <laughs> oh, brother. They will, that is the worst feeling when you go to the, the sellout well and there's no water in it. Dude. Oh. So, old Petey is feeling bad. He's feeling wind chills donuts. Sure. He doesn't. Uh, I was I was never like a let's win it back at the buffet in the sex way, but I got back to my hotel room and I think I ate the entire mini bar. Oh sure, Pringles, Snickies, Snicky Doos, Snicky Doos, little candy main cane. I'll candy main showed force up. Force my way through those terrible hotel jelly beans. They're never they're, whatever Ronald Reagan was enjoying. I'll it's take not a jelly shows. bean over a Snicker any day of the week. Wow. They were different, dude. Are you a fruity pebble? You get you get affected <laughs> by porn. I do not. You like a snicker? I do not. You keep your nuts out of my candy. Snicker the looks... candy main can't. Oh my god. Yeah, that's right. Snickers? I'm willing to say it. No, uh uh-uh. uh. Get out of here with you that. You know why? Because I'm a hungry boy. You're a skinny winning. That's right. I'm a hungry boy. Yeah. Like I, I bet really, you don't want to. You want to be went... really satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> when you went to the ice cream truck. I bet you were getting like a fucking popsicle or an Italian ice. What are you getting? A Sunday? Whatever the split? biggest thing is, which was the double cookie ice cream sandwich. Sure. <laughs> and you know why? Because I was a hungry boy. Yeah. I'm so this is my point. I've just now come to light that I think I have my addiction. Like, okay, I have addictive qualities. I've seen it with alcohol. That's why I stopped. I've I've seen it with keeping weed in the house. Yeah, here you yeah, go. Yeah. Um and I was like, oh, you're doing it with food. That's you with donuts. And that was me with eating everything at the mini bar. What do you think that means? And Lara think- Bites, who's my opener, who's incredible, she was talking about binging. And I was like, that's what I do. I, I binge. I'm not saying we don't have to vilify and feel bad for ourselves. I'm just identifying a behavior. I'm feeling sad. Right. I'm not feeling hungry. Right. And therefore, I'm going to eat all of these fucking Snickies. Have I ever told you about the act? So I'm off that too. I'm off binging. Oh yeah. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good because that's an it, binging is innately. Uh, it's going to kill you. That's not good. That is bad. I read a book called Bin, Bin, "Never Binge Again." Uh huh. And it's really rough. Oh, what do you it's mean? It's one the of language? these books. It's one of these books that's like you need. I'll I'll tell the secret of this book, right? Because I've only, I only had to read like a third of it to be like I got it. Yeah. And it's one of those books where you can tell the rest of it is just reinforcing what he already said. Yeah. You just need to separate yourself from the part of you that wants to binge. It's the same thing with drinking. You separate yourself from it. You give it some sort of name, and you just go like that thing is a nihilist. It doesn't give a fuck about me. It only wants what it wants. It only wants the momentary rush of eating all those Doritos. It doesn't give a fuck about me, my goals, my dreams, my health. And when it, uh, he calls it a pig. It's mean, but he calls it your pig. Uh-huh. I picture Bebop from Ninja Turtles. Sure. And, I, and he, when he goes, <laughs> he's got you, a mohawk. When you hear it squeals, you Boom just box. go, you don't give a fuck about me. You just want to break dance in the sewers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because he wants me to eat pizza, which is what the Ninja Turtles are eating. I once went to well, I want to I want to tell you two things. One about your corporate um, can't wait corporate clean. I've ever told you my idea for the act. The act. You don't need this as much as I do, but it's for people like me who literally, if I get a corporate gig offered to me and they're like uh, no adult themes, I have to turn the gig down. I don't have I don't have the clean well. Really? I just don't have it. I mean, I could do twenty minutes. And do crowd work, maybe clean crowd work for forty. But my um, you can't have your crowd work in the. You can do those reverse proportions. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah, I can't I know do you the know gig. This. So so um, so the act is a it's a it's an hour of 
of corporate clean stand-up that the comedy community comes together and writes it. We all write it together. You know, it's like all the great minds. Uh, but people like this? you know, people like Nate Bargatze. He doesn't have to, and, and Seinfeld. They don't have to participate because they're like, you know, you guys go they're fuck fine. yourselves. We're already doing making this right. this good good. But it's you know Jim Norton and Doug Stanhope and, and, I, you do and the Big J and I, I feel like together we could write an hour of corporate clean. And then there's an hour of um, of open source um, clean corporate can stand-up I, comedy for all of us to use. At can I put point. a bit into it? Yeah, because we did a lot of that for crashing. We'd write these like sort of just but me and Fitz and Mike Lawrence would sit and Jamie that would all sit down and write these bits just because Pete needed to do my character would just need to do a bit. Mm -hmm. So we just write like sort of generic bits. Sure. One of them was this. I'm going to, all they'd have to tell me was the premise and just like loosely what it is. Stop, drop and roll was Mm -hmm. the premise. And, and I was like, I got it. You know what I mean? Like that's what the act would be. It's things like stop, drop and roll. It's like, Stop, drop, and roll. That's what we say when somebody's on fire. Stop, drop, and roll. Do you need the stop? Sure. Hey, I know you're on fire. Calm down. <laughs> A drop and roll. If you don't drop before you roll, brother, that's a spin. <laughs> this should be roll. It's, it's one roll. word. Roll. Roll, motherfucker. Why are you roll. doing stop, oh, drop, and roll? Because it did? rhymes? See what I did? Motherfucker. I put a motherfucker in there. Yeah. That's why I need the act. Yeah, you need the act. But you'd have to negotiate it. If you were both on the same cruise ship, Big J would come up to me and go, you doing the act tonight? I'd be like, Jay, come on. You, I got this gig first, please. Hilarious. Come on. And then he would intimidate with me with his big size, and I would say, fine, you do the act. Yeah. And then I would do. Um, I would just jump off the bow. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they call it the bow? Is this where the ship is done? Is this where the curtain call is? Food court? Is this where renegade foods go on trial? I feel like you don't need the act, I don't need Pete. the act. I am the act. <laughs> you are the act. Well, yeah, the act is just we call Pete, put him on speakerphone, put it up to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> but I want, when it's funny, I've evolved enough that I want to talk about things that I get really excited about. And most of the things I get really excited about are better when I'm swearing or making, even green eggs and ham. I, I was like, oh, I'll do green eggs and ham for these guys. It's, it's like a clean joke. Then I realized the best part of green eggs and ham is I say, uh, you cock butter bitch. Like, but I do it in this way. Like I, like I don't know how to be mean, so I go, you cock butter bitch, and it, that's kind of the best part. Then I riff on it, someone who has a stick of butter for a dick, and I'm like, this bit isn't clean. I have a, and then I'm in the bit. I'm already doing it. I'm like, you ever have that feeling where you're getting closer I, to the cliff, absolutely, and you're like, shit, and I'm like. Just skip it. Just skip it. And then I'm skipping it, and they can tell I'm not there. I'm I thinking. Oh, I'm like I've, a bad date. I've totally been there, and you're at, you're trying to find the edit point where it will still make sense. But yeah, oh, that's the worst. It so, is the worst. I have a story about editing my stand up. I can't wait. Uh, this is a crazy story, but I just want to warn everyone: it does involve the f bomb, not not the fuck bomb, oh. but the bad f. The real. I want to move it to where that's the f word. It is. I think. I think it it's is. become. But there was a time in comedy where the where the word faggot got you a lot of like alternative comedy pop points I was, if you were saying it in the right way. I right? W- totally. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I was watching Wolf of Wall Street, and that goes to the f word well a lot. Oh sure, a lot. Where it's like you're not supposed to say that, and they but they are saying it. Then I was watching the movie Blow, and they keep using it. And there was a time when that was like just enough squirt of a lemon in your eye to like titillate you, right? But not enough to upset you. And obviously, we've gone. But that I mean, they, 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 that probably was true with the N word at some point too. That's that's exactly the right correlation. Yeah, there was a time when it was funny to 
to say all sorts. Oh, of no, things. I've always said like if it's if not funny, if it's no longer the majority thought it was okay, right? And it's That's no right. longer uh, uh, effective or 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 it doesn't work anymore on stage, right? For to do the ironic drop of the f bomb, right? And I always say like that if that that might be bad for me as a comedian, but it's certainly good for society. It's yeah. b- better for society that that word has become radioactive. Okay, right. right. So I had this bit. Uh, that used to be my closer, uh, a bit about how I went to France and I spoke French so poorly that when people would come up to me and ask me a question in French, I would say, uh, no parlez-vous français, which I thought meant I don't speak French, but which actually means you don't speak French. And so there was this act out where it was like people oh, would no come up. parlez-vous. That means you don't speak French? Right. Ah. It means you don't speak French. I, I and so people come up to me, and I would do this, you know, bum, 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 French impression, and I'd say, oh, you don't speak French. And the guy's like, excuse me, monsieur, parle français. And I go, you don't speak French. And, and then finally, it, it culminates with me screaming, like, you don't speak French, you French faggot. Yeah. And then I had to stop myself and say, you can't talk to people like that. You can't, can't call people that in French. It's pronounced faggot. Okay, so that was my closer at that time. This is this was a closer. Oh yeah, it was a banger of a bit, of a bit. I'm oh, not boy. giving it its due diligence because you're reminding I'm me. Really when nervous Bob Saget the podcast. <laughs> we had such a delicate dance. Never, you just when you're talking about him and his name and growing up and like sure. when were you funny <laughs> sure. and, and all these things. It's like talking to somebody whose last name is. He actually did say homosexual, I think, or or. Somosexual is his last name. Oh, uh huh. Something like that. So okay, so I that was a close. It was a banger. It's a banger of a, a banger of a bit, but it probably has expired its cultural currency. Anyway, I was going to Israel. Banger of a bit. It was good. I understand. It, uh, uh, and I was going to Israel, and I was going to perform at this comedy club called the Off the Wall Comedy Club in Jerusalem. And off the wall. Come off on, the now. wailing wall. Oh, You'll yeah. have a whale of a time. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be swallowed by a whale of a good time. Um, <laughs> And the guy, the booker there was like, oh, you can't swear at this gig because there's a lot of like yeshiva students, uh, seminary students, yeah, uh, like a lot of religious kids. So you have to you be... You had me at yeshiva. Sure, I know, I know. You know a lot about religion, Pete. Call back, life call back. <laughs> from a, something that you we don't were, even... <laughs> to bring people in, we were doing something and I kept making all these references and motion just went, you know a lot about religion, we get it. And I was like, you're just giving me what I want. Thank you, Pete, you know a lot. So I went to do the gig, mm. and I was like racking my brain because at the time I was a much less developed comedian. I didn't have the ability to do a different Muscularly. closer. Muscularly, yeah. Um, like I just didn't have another closer. I was like, that was the only thing that there was. This was I, it might even be fifteen years ago. Like I just couldn't. Yeah, this joke doesn't just like it isn't peppered with swears. It's a joke about a swear. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and not like, even a swear. A, 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 slur. a slur. Yeah. So I was like racking my brain. How do I do this bit? I couldn't. I couldn't not do it. Uh, I thought at the time, and I came up with something. I was like, oh, I know. I'll say, you don't speak French, you French piece of crap. And then I say, you can't talk to people like that it's in France. It's pronounced crepe. It's pronounced crepe, exactly. What a sophisticated wow. edit, right? Yeah. It's a bread-to-bread. Bread, uh, it, they're both bread products. Moshe, you did bread-to-bread. Bread. I love <laughs> Bread-to-bread. Good job. Yeah. So I get on stage. I do my set. I close it out. French piece of crap. Oh, no. Piece of crepe. Everybody laughs. Great show. After the show, the booker comes up to me. I was like, good job, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was good. It was good. He's like, uh, you can't say crap here, though. I go, crap? If you knew the original punchline, it was faggot. And he goes, Did you say that? Yeah. And he goes, oh, no, no. Faggot's okay. 
The Candyman <laughs> came. In this guy's warped religious world, mm. the F-bomb Dude. was a ex- totally acceptable I word. I can't believe if you've told that story on this podcast before, then I told this story immediately yeah. after. Because at my Christian college, people wouldn't swear, but they'd say the F word. And then the story goes, this kid named Matt was in my room. And I liked to swear. Even as a freshman at Gordon College, I enjoyed swearing. I didn't hide that I liked swearing. Was that off? That was not allowed? Nobody really swore. Whoa. I mean, they might say shit every once in a while, maybe in the dorms after a few Mountain Dews. (laughs) 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 But I liked swearing more than most. Sure. And then uh, this kid, Matt, was in my room. He looked like Michael J. Fox, but sort of doughy. And he, and he said – he knew I didn't like the word, the F word. And he said it. And I said, uh, don't say that word when you're in my room. And he goes, well, then don't swear when you're in my room. <laughs> it sounds like a fake story, but it's totally true. I got up. I said, well, we're in my room now, so get the fuck out. I closed <laughs> the awesome. door on his Michael J. Fox face. Did you? That's very he funny. He actually looked shocked. Like the way that someone would overact uh-huh. like in a sitcom and be like, no one would make that face. Like that's what was fun about Christian college was it was like being on Family Ties. Like if you said get the fuck out, People would they would have been like, shocked. <gasps> <laughs> so it's an even better story than it is for us. My brother, when he was in yeshiva. Yeah, that's seminary, Pete. Yeah, um, he, he. My brother went to a series of decreasingly hardcore yeshivas mm. until the one that he finally got his uh, rabbinate from was a kind of a progressive. It's an orthodox still, but it's like the most progressive. It's called op- open orthodox. Where's the man? Where's the Manischewitz? It's in the wine rabbinate, <laughs> wine cabinet. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he was. He was in his... My keychain is dark. No, it's beautiful. It did not even detect that as a bet. He um he was uh on Christmas Day. He was such a like conflicted person. He was at this super hardcore yeshiva, and he was running down the halls singing Christmas carols. That was very not okay? Oh, yeah. That was like saying, get the fuck out Ooh. to everybody. Singing Christmas carols. I don't... Good King Wences went Oh, to my town. God. That's a praise song. Yes. I thought about this recently. We did that episode in, in a, a synagogue where I did stand-up. And there's this verse in the New Testament in some of the Paul's letters. Sure. Where he's appealing to the Jews. Paul's letters to the boutique. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know the New Testament that well. Is that right? Paul's letters to the boutique. <laughs> Paul's letters to the Bettany. It's Paul Bettany. <laughs> um, he is appealing to Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Just like Jews for Jesus, he's trying to be like, no, you don't understand. This guy's Jewish. He's from a Jewish lineage. He came to fulfill our prophecy. And uh, he goes, he came first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The point is for Jews. And the Jews are like, you can keep them. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. You know that there's this. I shouldn't tell this. I love this podcast has been more salacious than any others. There's a, there is a story in the Talmud about Jesus. Hmm? There's a story in the Talmud about Jesus that he was coming around and he was flying. He was like flying too much. Is this real? Yeah, man. Israel. Israel. I support it. Every decision it's ever made. <laughs> Every single one. Every single one. Um, and it's like. Jesus was flying too much and like casting spells, and so the Jews killed him. 
That's in the Talmud. <laughs> yeah. That's not real. Is it real? I'm pretty sure it's real, yeah. Somebody somebody recently said that they were like, there's nothing written about Jesus as a child. And I was like, there is. It, like, But everybody's kind of said it's apocryphal. It's not It's not real. Well, And some of it is like he turned a group of bullies into sheep and all these things. Everything in the Talmud is apocryphal. That's the whole point of the Talmud. If you get deep enough into the Talmud, there's stuff in there that you're just like, what the fuck is, is even happening here? Yeah. Actually, there's an interesting story about uh, – an interesting quote about the mid. Midrash, which is the commentary mm-hmm. on the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's like the oral tradition, you know? Cain, Domain, Cain. And it, the Midrash are like so wild. Like there's just like wild. It, like you know that, that, that story about how um, Abraham came and um, he smashed all the idols. He saw the idols. Yeah. And, uh, that's not in the Bible at all. That's, that's in the midrash. That's in the midrash. It's just a story about about Abraham. I can't. I my. You, I wish you could see inside the way that I light up when you have a fun fact about the Bible. Well, right. The, like, there's a, a lot of things fact. we think are are just are biblical stories that are just like you know you you get it. There's these oh, old traditions and then people uh, are telling tales. God helps those that help themselves is not biblical. Um, everything happens for a reason is not biblical. There's I didn't a, think. I didn't know that it was. Yeah, you didn't think it was. Well, is it from Christian? Theology? People always say God doesn't give you more than you can handle is not in the Bible. So these are things that are oft quoted. Right. Yeah. So the the quote from the Midrash is if you believe all of the Midrash, you're a fool. If you believe none of them, you're a bigger fool. Mm. And um I was thinking about that in relation to conspiracy theories because you know everybody's like obsessed with conspiracies now and expertise has become completely null and void. No one believes anything anymore. People are like I think vaccines you know cause autism but uh, but i believe in science when it comes to climate change and not you know what i mean like yeah, people sure. pick and choose their science the whole yeah. thing and i was thinking like in, culturally uh, we have a midrash is that what you're saying well definitely and yeah. it's in it's the and internet it's spreading it's on the internet and it's getting bigger <laughs> and you got it from the internet when it comes to conspiracy theory the earth is flat 9-11 was an inside job all this stuff if you believe if you believe all of the uh, midrash, you're a fool, and if you believe none of them, you're a bigger fool. Yeah, right. That's if you, very if, interesting. Like the fact that conspiracy has happened and has occurred in history is not a proof text that every conspiracy is true. It just means it, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that yes, some things. Yes, the Tuskegee experiment really happened. That doesn't mean that the Earth is flat. What's the Tuskegee theory? The Tuskegee experiment is a real thing that sounds like a conspiracy theory, which is that there was a group of um, black um, uh, 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 citizens. John in Cleese? It was, a, it was a, the cast of Monty Python uh, moved to Tuskegee. At Tuskegee, Alabama, they brought a bunch of black citizens and they told them that they had syphilis, these people. And they told... Um, they Did they to- really have syphilis or they told them they had syphilis? Maybe they... Shit, I feel like I want to know what the, the the story really was. They gave them syphilis, or and hold on, hold on, hold on. Give I, it a goo. Yeah, I got to give it a goo because this one's a little bit too sensitive. To I'll just... sing this. Yeah. Everybody loves Raymond. Look at that open shirt. Here we go. The Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male was a clinical study conducted between 1932 and 1972 by the Public Health Service. The purpose of the study was to observe the natural history of untreated syphilis. The African-American men in the study were told they were receiving free health care from the U.S. government. Um, basically, they promised them that and they were getting... They pro- Yes, to see what would happen. They, they promised them that they would heal them. And they, they just were there to uh, observe. Basically to make sure that they wouldn't be healed. 
Right. Of this the, of the men, three ninety nine had latent syphilis, two hundred and one did not have the disease. The men were given free medical care, meals and free burial insurance for participating in the study. Essentially the Tuskegee medical experiment was they were never these people were never treated. So why how do, what does that have to do with flat earth or conspiracy? Oh what I'm saying is if you look at the world, you, you see evidence that for crazy shit. Horrifying you know, mind boggling shit has happened. Right. Maybe JFK was assassinated. Uh, well, or maybe Rumsfeld said, <laughs> We won't be able to change the world without a new Pearl Harbor, which is, right. which is something that he said. Right. Uh, I, go, I just realized I go, Maybe JF, JFK was assassinated. You are funny. Just to clarify, he was assassinated. He was. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> that yeah, did happen. Well, oh, maybe, maybe JFK isn't alive and walking among us today. Yeah. But you know, I love what you're saying about the Midrash because my manager, Dave Rath, who I love, he used to be really into conspiracies. I enjoy talking about conspiracies, and he was just like, I just, I've decided that none of them are real, it's over, but he's not doing, Midrash theory, he's being an even bigger fool, meaning, even though they might not be wholly true, there might be little things in there that are worth Yes, there are two considering. Kinds, there are two but you don't kinds have to be of, all in or all out. That's right. There are two kinds of fools in modern society when it comes to conspiracy. There are the fools that think we live in a stable world where the government would never lie to you and they would never do nefarious things and everything is stable in the way that you think that it is and you can trust people. And then there are the fools that think the fact that there are there is evidence of the government lying is the proof all the proof you need that to all that of the conspiracy theories are true sandy hook didn't happen the earth is flat blah sandy blah blah Sandy hook didn't happen as a conspiracy oh it's not just a conspiracy it's a movement and the sandy hook you don't know about this no. the parents of the sandy hook children are continually and unrelentingly harassed by sandy hook truthers telling them that they're lying asking them for proof asking them for pictures of their dead children that is the world that we are living in and it is it's all the internet's fault. The Candyman can. The Candyman can. Let's do it again, Michael. Don't look at the audience and change <laughs> the word to your last name. It's my process. It's what I do. Yeah, process means how you prepare to do the material as is. You can't I just thought, change I the material. This, I thought this was the material. Michael! Okay, I'll fucking fuck, do it! Fuck, I'll fuck the lamb. No, I'll, no, that's not a... Raw dog. He's doing it! Oh my god, he's doing it! Raw dog only. Raw lamb. Raw lamb. Is there such a thing? If you could fuck any animal. Great question. I like where you're going with this. Let's pretend we live in a world where, <laughs> of course, you have sex with animals. Okay, sure. Of course. Did you hear about the um, orangutan in the brothel in Brunei? In, in, uh, is it Brunei? Not Brunei. You are just Burma. A... Burma. You you know what you are? I'm in Casablanca and there's a jukebox. And I go up and I go, there isn't a song on this about fucking animals, is there? And you go, the Candyman came. There was a there was a brothel in in Burma that had an orangutan. I don't like this story. That was shaved and they would put makeup on it. And when the clients would come in, the orangutan would present to the to the men present and, its genitals. And a and a and the and a uh, military force came Not in, a, a humanitarian point. force came in to liberate the orangutan, and the people in the village revolted and uh, and pushed the <laughs> troops back, like leave our sex orangutan be. Oh <laughs> my god. Like a heartfelt movie, like that's our sex yes, orangutan. That, we, that, that is our sex orangutan. And is it still there? I don't know. I'm sure it's dead at this point. Oh, my God. 
people knew it was an orangutan, right? <laughs> Nobody was knew. like <laughs> that. That's that's. <laughs> Give me that Diane. salty one. Yeah, you do not take Diane. She's a member of this community. Sure, she's a little bit silent. She doesn't talk much. That's a true story. You can look it up. You can gig, give that a goog. <laughs> I can't even game. I'm so troubled. Oh, oh wait. This I makes want, my game less fun. I wanted ahead. to tell... Oh, go ahead. Yes, if I could have make love to any animal. Yeah. Make love. Yeah. What do you choose? A deer. Whoa, that was so definite and I you had already thought about it. About it. Oh, you do. Oh, no fair. Why a deer? What, how's I don't even going? really mean it. I, the bit is that I've never seen a deer from the front. They're always just like, whoops. Are you looking at my beautiful fian? And they walk so dainty. They walk like they're on high heels. There's something very like, ooh, kind of like fun about them. Did you hear about the Russian kids that tried to rape a raccoon? and, See, got, and this got... makes my bit so much less fun. And what happened? The raccoon bit his penis off. Yeah. I'd like to say Andy and the raccoon. Andy. 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 <laughs> um, if I could make love to any animal, I suppose that I would choose... You know what's a good choice? Dolphin. Dolphin is a good choice because yeah. they reciprocate a romantic affection. Yeah. They're almost consensual. And they're slippery. There's sure. like a sound. You don't surf anymore, do you? I haven't in a long time. You will attest to the fact that one of the most beautiful experiences you can have out in the water is when you're out there and there's all of a sudden dolphins appear and they're surfing, kind of almost surfing with you. Yeah. They're in the water with you. It's a, you do feel connected to them. Yeah. And you do get horny. Uh, well, Wait, no, I just no, you do. No, no bit. Ramdas has a story, a famous story about swimming with a dolphin and he was like really merging with the consciousness like getting into that one consciousness thing and just being like this is just god and a dolphin and i'm just god and a man and like connecting hard and he he sort of alludes to the fact that it was sexual and he was like is this okay because he was having like whoa like a like a connection with the thing because it kept swimming with him and he was holding onto its fin and it was swimming around the pool it's an interesting story i'm not doing it justice sorry my my headphones have died (sighs) oh god um Obviously, he didn't do anything, but he part of the fun of the story was that he was conflicted, that it was so connected. It was so ecstatic. And ecstatic. That we're he back, was like, is this okay? Because a lot of people were watching. He was like, is this all right? We're back to that idea that the love song, you shouldn't be able to tell if you're singing to God or to a lover. Yeah, it's you're like, right. When or a in, dolphin. Or a dolphin. That's, that's the real. dolphin is an awesome dolphin. He reigns from SeaWorld below. But you want to hear a crazy SeaWorld uh, sea life story? Oh God! This is an ex ex girlfriend of mine. Um, her OG. her grandfather was a lifelong zookeeper. That was what he did for a living. Okay, he worked in the zoo. Okay, I don't know why you're laughing. People are zookeepers. It's a it's a job. <laughs> yeah, but if I went up to you and you were an undercover agent and I said, "What do you do?" Well, me, I'm a zoo, I'm a zookeeper. I uh, no no no. I don't. I would be in the van monitoring, going abort, abort, abort. He's a zookeeper. <laughs> no no. I'm They're a, on to us. I'm a zookeeper. Um, this isn't a brothel at all. This is actually an orangutan habitat. Um. So he was a lifelong zookeeper, dedicated his life to LLZK. Lifelong zookeeper. Okay, yes. Uh, LLZK PCP. (laughs) And he was swimming in the ocean one day after 30 years of being a zookeeper, and he (laughs) began to drown. He got sucked out to sea, and you know, got in a a current. Got sucked out to sea. A riptide. A riptide. And he was like, "I'm going to drown." And he had this thought: "Oh my God, this is how I go. This is how I die." And at that moment of that thought, a sea tortoise emerged in the water 
and he grabbed the sea tortoise's shell, and the sea tortoise pulled him to shore. Wow. A man who had dedicated his life to animals pulled him and rescued him. And like it synced up with their frequency. I guess so. Yeah. And he was turned on the whole time, and he wondered if it's okay. <laughs> like the, his erection was like a rudder. And now, yeah, the, the tortoise turns back and says, like, could you tone that down, dude? I'm trying to get you to shore, and that's creating a lot of drag. like, oh, I'll just get another one and counterbalance it. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, I had another story I was going to tell you. Tell it. Well, you were talking about sexual compulsivity and, I was not. and, and addiction. No, I wasn't. Ever tell you about the time I went to a Sex Addicts Anonymous meeting? No. It was pretty interesting. There was a time, you know, when I was so in the compulsion phase of my sexuality that I thought maybe I should, maybe I should go to a meeting. Maybe I should seek help or something. And uh, so there's like a breakdown of the different. What was it that made you go? Well, this is actually a rough story. Um, There was a woman that was. What was your cock bottom? Yeah. (laughs) There was a woman that was DMing me uh, who I knew who wanted to come over and sleep with me. And I didn't want to. I like didn't want to. I wasn't into it, and I was saying no. Actually, I was. I was like, no, I don't think I'm not. I'm not really. And she was like, kind of, kind of pressing the issue a bit over DMs, over like Facebook chat or something. Oh wow! And I was like, no, 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 no. And then I was just like relented because that was like the baseline of my sexuality. It's so funny that I'm like, I don't know why people have sexual shame. The baseline of my sexuality was like, if you were willing, I would. Like that was that was all it took. And she was. Um, <laughs> She was, it was not good, and she was, the thing that I remember really viscerally was that she was, like, really aggressively sh- scratching the bottom of her butt, like, a lot, like, like, and... Wait, and, during the act? Like, during the hookup session, she was like, and I, I was like, oh, God, and then, like, she kind of, like, why am I telling you this story? But anyway, she kind of, like, there was, like what i perceive to be like rashiness or something oh, no. and when she left this is we're not at the cock were bottom you in yet burma because <laughs> i have a twist she was kind of the wise member of the uh rebellion and caesar was in charge and she was more of the do you know the I planet of the apes know. movies all right no. at any rate if the, orang- Dr. Zayas, the orangutan know. was the wise one it doesn't matter okay so when she left i was ashamed of myself for having done it i was hypochondriatically paranoid about the scratching and the red stuff i went into the bathroom and i grabbed a a bottle of lysol and i was spraying my legs with lysol yeah and then i just pictured that's a good cock bottom the funny thought that i had was if the woman had walked by the window of the bathroom (laughs) at that moment right after hooking up with me to see me in there dousing myself with lysol i was like oh that was really nice like we should hang out sometime The candy man K. The candy man K. People, you can't tell because I was laughing silent. I was laughing the whole time. That's why you told that story. That's fucking hilarious. Well, hold on. Well, so then I, this, the next morning I was like, this is shit. Like, I need to, like, change my behavior. Yeah. So I, I started researching. Because I'd been in AA at that point for a long time, you know, I was like, you I, knew what addiction was, and I'll tell you an interesting sidebar about that. Is like turned into emo Phillips. I'll tell you, I'm spraying the lice on to get the scabies off. That's emo, right? That's kind of classic. Hand. And I told you <laughs> that the Lysol was on my dick. I didn't know I could do an A plus emo. That <laughs> yeah, was, was an good. A plus emo. I'll never be able to do it that well again. Um. So I I 
I realized, you know, like AA is Alcoholics Anonymous. And I always thought to myself, like, why do you need the anonymous part so badly? Like, who fucking cares? Like, everybody's in recovery. Like, famous people are in recovery. And going to one of these meetings, I realized why they needed it in the 30s. I was, like, so ashamed to be there. I wanted to, like, sneak in the back door. And I had this realization, like, oh, this must have been what it was like to have substance abuse issues in the 30s. Like, it was so unbelievable. Not that it's not shameful. It can't handle the sauce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Tito. Right. It's like a derogatory. He's a teetotaler. You can't do business with him. Right, exactly. So so I did feel like a moral failure. If someone couldn't handle their liquor, they were like weak. It was like having a... You know, we sometimes have it with peanut allergies. You know when some kid has a peanut allergy, don't... You catch yourself judging them. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You fucking little twerp. Totally. It's just that's how people were for alcohol. (laughs) So there's a breakdown of this. I don't feel that way, by the way. There's a breakdown of the sex... um, uh, 12-step groups, right? There's different ones. There's SLAA, which is Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Mm-hmm. That's a, a much more touchy-feely one. I had been to a meeting like that before, mm. and that's like people are love addicts, they're relationship addicts. It's like it's unclear what it's about, but it's much more <laughs> like... You're like, yeah, anybody here ever watch with Lysol? <laughs> you ever got a Lysol the dick? Yeah. Anybody Lysol the dick? Somebody's like, I can't stop having all-night conversations with my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. LTD? Anybody LTD? <laughs> No? Some of the, uh, you hang up first. You hang up first. You're like, <laughs> I poured Clorox down my ass. Well, that's so funny because the experience I had, then there's sex. There's like sex, uh, sex, a holics anonymous. And that's all gay men. That's just a, that it's a gay. Sex a hollow is only served in gay boys. <laughs> that's right. Sex a hollow. <laughs> and then there's sex addicts anonymous, which is the one that I went to after the Lysol incident. And. <laughs> It was actually very heartening for me because I realized sitting down, oh, I don't have this. I, 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 I don't – whatever this is, I don't have this. I, I have compulsive issues. I definitely – the Lysol wasn't a good moment in my sexual uh, yeah. uh, biography. But I don't have this. And like it would be people that would be like, you know, oh, I, I spent all my savings account on prostitutes or I'll start masturbating. I'll get home from work. I'll turn on porn at 6 p.m. after work and all of a sudden the sun will be coming up. Yeah, and I have to go to work again. Yeah, that sure. if, I was like, oh, I don't have this. But here's the funny part. So, as you probably know, in every twelve-step group that I've been to, the ritual at the end is for you to stand up and ho- hold hands and say a prayer, right? Say the Serenity Prayer. Mm-hmm. That well, the ritual in Sex Addicts Anonymous is uh, to also announce how long you've been sober. Whatever sober means to them, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like ab- abstinence from your like you've been sober from porn for yeah. sixty days, and so you would always say that. You would say, "I'm Pete. I'm a sex addict, and I've been sober for sixty days." Mm-hmm. And and you know, sex addiction is one of these complicated ones um, that you have to indulge in the behavior. You can't stop. Just like binge eating, you can't not. Yeah. Eat. You yeah. have to eat. You just That's have to stop binging. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're going around the room. People are sharing and stuff, and I'm listening, and I'm feeling a little bit of relief because I'm like, oh, I don't really have this particular problem. Maybe I had a bad night. And um, one, the guy next to me, right before the meeting's about to end, raises his hand, and he came in late, and he, he goes, hi, I'm Pete or whatever. <laughs> I'm a sex addict. I'm sober for 30 minutes. And then they're like, well, that's all the time we have. Let's um, all get up, hold hands. And I'm like, I fucking ran across the room. I'm not holding. He was next to you. He was next to me. I'm like, I'm not holding hands with this guy. He was jerking off in the car. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, respect, get better. I but I'm going to be on the other side of the room. No, thank you. Uh, that is something that I can change, is my position in the room. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The Lysol. The courage to change the things I can. Where I'm standing. And the wisdom to know the difference. Forgive me if this is obvious, but I was curious how you're doing with monogamy. Um, you know, um. well, I'll tell you, it's not been a successful experiment. Uh, let me just say there's an orangutan in Burma that's gotten the receiving end of my issues. Oh, my God. Pete, I don't know what happened. You're just a, you're a monoga man. You know, for the first two years. Monaga casher. For the first two years, three years, maybe. I don't know how long. I, um, I, was, I struggled with it. I, I, I didn't struggle behaviorally, but I struggled. Were you open about that? Yes, I was. I would talk to. Actually, it's a funny story about monogamy with <laughs> You're Natasha. The best guest. I'm only booking you. <laughs> <laughs> she goes. At one point, I a few different things happened, but at one point, I because I was in a dialogue with Natasha. She knew how sort of um, like knew this was to me. She's yeah. the first person I've ever been monogamous with, and so at one point, I go. Um, I go. What if we? I, it's not. This isn't really ribald, but it's like I go. What if we? Um, what if we? Well, first I said, "What if I?" I don't know if I should tell this story. First thing I posed was, "What if I had Burning Man off?" <laughs> I, I think you have to tell this story from monogamy. You know well, how many emotions there are listening right now? Well, there was a it was a powerful experiment experience. This is early in our relationship. Yeah, you know, maybe six months, nine months in. I said, "What if we have Burning Man off?" And I I thought to myself, "Now that's a monogamy I could do. I could do a I could do a you know a, a, a fifty one weeks a year of monogamy. I yeah. feel like I could do that." Yeah, and um she this was actually a really powerful experience in my relationship she she was like i need to process that request can i also say natasha is one of my favorite comedians she's incredible and comedians love breaking things down like i feel like they might not just comedians but i feel like in this situation it's not super crazy that you're like can we talk like the way that you did with me saying i'm off porn like let's break it down in right. every similar way. of course natasha would be a safe place to at least be like can we talk about it well that's what i figured at that time in my in my life i figured if i can't at least make this request i'm in the wrong relationship if i can't be this honest with a person and and if this would be a deal breaker then but but here's what happened she's like so i said need, burning man off i need to pro- process that request and then we weren't living together. This was early in our relationship. She went radio silent for like three or four days, and I didn't hear from her. And I thought, I thought, wow, this maybe is over, oh. you know. And um, I was like, maybe that request was so, you know, alarming to her that but that she, isn't that that is one of the worst feelings. It was a bad when, feeling when you go like, I. Like if if you're like I eat a jar of peanut butter every night, and then you just don't hear from somebody, <laughs> you're like, oh, I, I guess, guess I, I'm a freak. <laughs> Mr. Rogers was wrong. Uh, he doesn't love me just the way I am. So she went radio silent for like three days, and I thought, oh my god, the relationship's over. And I was like negotiating with myself, you know, like well, you know, like I said, if I can't have full honesty and full oxygen in this relationship, then what kind of a relationship is it really? I had to be my real self. She came back. She sat me down and she was like, I understand where you're coming from. I understand the request. Can requ- you do the voice? Uh, darling, I understand. No, it was all that. I was in I character. Understand. I she, can't do it either. She, I just she had a, her glove on. That's not her. She, um, she was like, I, and I get that for you, sex and, uh, and love are different, are, are separate, but they're not for me. Mm. And so while you would be 
like while you would be at Burning Man having you realize how many people she talked to before she had this conversation. <laughs> I don't know how many meals where she was like, it's possible something's. I don't mean in a betrayal. I don't know way. if that's true. I mean, if I'm processing something like that, yeah, I'm. I have to talk to right. confidants. And she, what she said really affected me. She's like, you would basically, because me, sex doesn't have a connectivity, direct connectivity to love for you, you would be at Burning Man sleeping with people, and I would be sitting at home feeling like shit. Yeah. And I really heard that. And she's like, and if I were to go be casual, or if I were to have a, 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 a window to go hook up with someone else, I would have to go find someone that I would fall for. Because that's how sex works for me. So do you understand how that would ruin the relationship? Like, when you go do it, I feel bad. And when I go do it, the fundamentals of the relationship are collapsed. So anyway, I really, like, was, like, I, like, heard what she was saying. In this scenario, would she have that time off, too? I guess, yeah. It never came up? It never came up. But I think she was talking to me like a child. That is the man version of, like, you looking the other way on her getting up for the baby. It's just, like, when we talk about a hall pass, we just mean for me. Well, I think at that time I would have taken anything for that week off. Yeah. But because <laughs> it was new to me. But, I would have done anything. Then the next move I had, this is funnier and less emotional. Well, my point was when she said that, I it was, you I, got it. I really got it. And I was like, that makes so much sense and is so true. And was I. Was Burning Man usually like a real. A hedonistic fuck fest. Absolutely. Wow. It was like, it was like, yeah. I mean, the, the more cane, than one partner a day. Oh, oh yeah. I'm just being a the rube that I am. No, I'm just yeah, like, definitely. You mean you have like a Burning Man girlfriend, and you're like, no, that no. happened too. Yeah, I've, I've had every iteration. I've had really. Actually, I'll tell you, being going to Burning Man with being with Natasha when she didn't come the first time, and I didn't have the hall pass, I was really worried. I was like. What if I get there and I don't enjoy it? Was this whole thing that I thought was like a pri- a, a, a fundamental yeah. experience for me? It's like just Mad like Mad Max being like, did I like the desert or was it shooting people in the face? <laughs> yeah, with a shotgun? Exactly. If I was like, this would be pathetic if I got there. I was like, oh, I don't actually enjoy it. It'd yeah. be like, oh, I didn't like, like this. Grilled cheese is dirty. Yeah, I was <laughs> just like horny this whole time. That was it. I could have just stayed home and jerked off. Yeah, you know? yeah. So um, the next thing I posed was, oh, the, the classic. I was but like, you, you have to make sure you finish that and say you went. Tell me what it was like when you went. Oh, when I went. I, but, no, I went and I, and I, I had a great experience. And, and, um, and I was gra- grateful for that. because I was you like, tempted? Um, I, maybe I... Maybe. I always picture someone just wearing like one piece of tanned leather well, on I'll tell a you, chain. I'll tell you on your porn analogy, how you know you watch porn and everything becomes sexualized. And yeah. now when Val takes her clothes off, it's like a more hubba hubba than ever before. Yeah. The opposite, the inverse is true at Burning Man. You get to Burning Man, there's naked people everywhere. The first hour and a half, you're like, oh, mama mia, there's yeah. titties before me. Yeah. By the end of the week, you're just like, you know, there's a woman spread eagle in front of you on a unicycle, you know, <laughs> shooting like flaming martinis out of her vagina. And you're just like, that old chestnut. I Believe it or not, this old... Uh, a puritanical boy has had that experience too. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I took mushrooms, I was sitting by a fountain and all these naked people were in it. And I was just like, cause I was clear. Right. I wasn't looking through my psychology. I was just like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's then you their, get back to the real world bodies. and somebody's got a low cut shirt on and you're like, Oh, yeah. I'm glad I chose <laughs> Applebee's. <laughs> exactly. So no, I, 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 um, was I tempted? I mean, only on this most surface of levels. Right. There's, that was kind of a weird question to ask, I suppose. Then, then I posed um, the classic. What about a threesome? I was going to say, why not threesomes? And she said, I've had a couple friends where they're like, we got to spice it up. We're going to go open. I always go, 
Just have sex with somebody together. Right. She, no good? Well, this was, no, not no good, just really funny. Her response was like, I, I'm, I was such a horny idiot that I was like, this makes sense. She goes, oh, yeah, that's a, okay, that's an idea. What if we wait? We should maybe wait until we have a family. She was like, let's wait for the kids to come along. And then have a three. It's like a classic, just pushing me off. I was wow. like, I was like, oh, okay. So there's hope. There's, there's light on the horizon. Oh yeah, we just got to wait for the baby to come around. That's classic group sex time. Oh my Jesus! Cut to you in the car with a- <laughs> on the way home from. No, things are gonna get easier. And then cut to me again in the car on the way back from the hospital with the four-day-old yeah. baby. Like, so <laughs> what if you're like the day you were born was the happiest day of my life <laughs> because I thought we were gonna have a threesome that uh, that evening and then. And a month after you're born, that was the low point. That was Valerie low... and I went to bed last night and I was like, remember when the baby would get up every 90 minutes? Yeah, I know. And now we're like, not mad, but we're like put out if she gets up at five. Totally. I'm like, it used to be every 90 minutes and we sort of lo- lo- loved it. Rich Blomquist was like, it's like camping. That's the best thing. That's, That's the funny. best way you can put it. Is right. It's an adventure. Totally. And your life is over and you can either be sad about that. I don't even mean your life is over. Your life has just changed. And can I tell you a camping? I'll tell you a story about that that is kind of fucked up and sad. But um, my two experiences with that, as, as, a, as an aside, I want to tell you my relationship with monogamy now. But my two experiences with that kind of cycle are with my baby and with my dying grandmother. And um, with my grandma, I was she at the end of her life was so like addled with discomfort that I brought a folding mattress into her bedroom and I was sleeping on the floor at her bed because she was, I would be in my bedroom and she would be screaming. Mm. She would go, Moshe, like all night. And I would have to get out of bed, go into her room, adjust her. And she was in your house. She was in my house. She moved into my house at the, uh-huh. and, at the end of her life. Moshe. I have a really sad memory of, um, I, I lived in this house growing up with a really long set of stairs to get to the house part. There was a door and then a really long staircase and it was hard to get up and hard to get down. And we used to get in sleeping bags and slide down it. And it was like, you know, it wasn't like a... It, was, it wasn't all bad. You no, know, it was fun. But it was also like, it was a lot of stairs. And I, when I brought her home, from, her from, home from the hospital um, for the last time, mm. I had this memory. I was with my best friend growing up named Jesse. And uh, we were helping her up the stairs. And I had this like really clear, conscious knowledge that this was the last time she was going to ascend these stairs. Wow. And that this was it. Profound. It felt really intense. And, wow. Uh, and she was in such discomfort that she would call me into her, house, into her room. Can yes. I just interject? That, that is what brings vitality to any moment. Right. We say on this podcast, when you shower, go, this could be my last shower. Not to be morbid, yeah. but to smell the soap. Yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. And you had that imposed, like, secondhand. Yeah, and it, it was visceral and it was true. Mm-hmm. It was the last mm-hmm. time. And... Um, and I, I so I started I, the cycle of pulling uh, of sleeping at her, the foot of her bed so that I wouldn't have to get up in the middle of the night and walk, mm. and um, and then as an aside, this is actually a funny, very dark thing. My grandma, who was in and out, she was very. My grandma wasn't just my grandma; she was just definitely a second parent because my mom moved us when we were babies. So the the two parenting, the two people that raised me were my grandmother and my mother, mm. and um, so she was really really integral to my life. And she was a hardcore atheist, very anti-God. And uh, and at some point in her, she was in and out of lucidity also at the end. And uh, she, she says to me, pulls me close to her one night in full lucid grandma mode. She goes, if there is a God, he saves the worst part of your life for the end. 
<laughs> I was like, thank you, Grandma. I will be haunted by, the, by that for the rest of my days. <laughs> that was her like one of her final messages to me. Wow. <laughs> She's like, bye-bye, world. <laughs> Enjoy the next 50 years. Wow. I don't know what to make of that. At any rate, I was there. I couldn't tell if she meant it like, it's nice that he saves... Like I don't think so. I think what a bastard God is. I think I I, I think that's what it was. At any rate, I did that all night up every hour hour and a half. What do you need? You need some water. You need an adjustment. Are you okay? Feed like and then it was really one of the most painful experiences of my life. I mean, it was really and it was also six months after my dog died and a year after my dad died. So it was just like it was it was the, the the bad time of my life. And then you get this experience with a baby. Where it's like taking care of a baby is exactly like taking care of a dying person in mm. reverse. Mm. It's like every day they're more vital. Every day they're more self-sufficient. Every day they're, they're a little bit more, I wouldn't say healthy, but yeah, healthy yeah. in a way. You know, Every day they're more themselves. Every, yeah. And with, a, with, a, with an old person, every day they're a little less and a little less themselves. And they're losing their, their memories and their brain is shutting down. Mm. And the baby, the brain is uploading and it's booting and you can see lights coming on. And you, mm. with an old person, you can see the lights going off and like... To me, that was like there's a really beautiful kind of uh, symmetry to those two experiences. It's the other side of the same door, exactly. Yeah, and and, uh, and I'm grateful now that my, my experience of caring for a being that directly is all it's all health and and positive and mm. and good. Not and some parents have a harder time with it. Yeah, you know, but we got lucky. Our kid is very healthy and blah mm. blah blah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what's up. Yeah, I realize I tell boring stories where I'm like, Leela can now pinch something with precision. Like she uh-huh. can pick up like one. We don't give her M&M's, but she could pick up one M&M if she wanted to. And I realize that's like the most boring thing in the world. But there's a beauty to that too. There's a beauty to the fact that these children's developmental cycles are so unbelievably painstakingly minute and boring. No one on earth could ever give a fuck about it except you. the person who was there for yeah. every single iteration of it. Because to you, it feels like monumental shifts. To your friend, it feels like, oh, fuck, another boring Eminem story. Yeah. Get yeah. fucked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like kind of, there's a beauty to that, too. Yeah, Nick Cannon did a diss track, another boring Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a there. There is there is a lot of beauty to it. Now, it's so and, fun. and then it just keeps. I mean, I don't mean to be the guy that is. Like, no, I know. How old is your almost daughter? two? Yeah, and it the booting up process gets like real it's wild just at happening. this point. Yeah, she can walk now. She yeah. can walk from her crib. She came into the kitchen, and we we're like, "What?" Yeah, and no one cares. But it's so fun. Like people think they love babies, but you never get a whole day with a baby. I've had entire days, multiple. Where it was just me and her the entire day, and you're like, if you don't look at it as a means to an end, if you can stop and actually climb the stairs yeah. with your baby, I'm not trying to make light of your grandma moment, but if you can just be like, just just do this, just do this with the baby, yeah. it's the most fascinating thing in the world. Well, if you go like, man, it's only 11 a.m., and I, then you you rob yourself of it. Well, they also get to this point where uh, they become. There's a transfer that has happened for me emotionally with her where it's I she's become a member of the family, mm. not a thing that we're caring for, not a, a an organism we love mm. that we're caring for. She's like she's clicking into this social structure in our family wow. where it's like, "Oh, you belong here. Oh, yeah. you're oh, you're you're bringing things to the table." <laughs> this is this happened the other day. This was a nice I don't know if this is too dad story, but it actually I walk. I was 
with her and we were taking a bath and we got out of the bath and I put her in her diaper. She was just in her diaper. And uh, I walked into the, into the, we also have like three dying dogs right now. Like, like <laughs> there's just a lot of chaos at our house. Oh. And I walk into the, into the hallway and I step in a, just a, the most gigantic pile of shit. I mean, and it's like, it's not like a step in and walk off. It's like all, it, my whole foot is shit is I have like a, a, a Dutch clog of, of shit. <laughs> Right, and, and I'm like, oh no! I start screaming. I'm like, fuck! And and uh, my kid is like a little bit like, I go, no, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the dogs. And she's laughing and she's saying like, ha ha, shit foot, or you know, she's saying like, ha ha. But you know, I I assume when it gets sophisticated enough, it'll be shit foot, and she'll be mocking me. And the, also, the funny part of it is, I always make dad. You mean shit foot? Oh, <laughs> shit foot, daddy. And I always, I'm always roasting Natasha because she has a sort of preternatural ability to step in the shit wherever it is in the house because our dogs are dying. They're like all incontinent it's like not a good time to come over at any rate i run into the into the bathroom and i'm like i put my leg up uh you know on the on the sink so yeah. i'm like balancing and i'm washing shit and and <laughs> there's the lysol <laughs> i'm like hello old friend hello like how life has changed incontinent dog now shit. i need the lysol and actually i did use lysol wow. and i come in and and i wash the shit off and then my kid tries to uh, climb the the a stool to to mimic me and put her foot up. I'm like, no, 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 you're gonna fall. I I go into the kitchen. I grab the accoutrement for cleaning the shit. She's there looking at me and laughing at me. And um, she's like verbal at this point too. She's like kind of you know talking about it. And I'm like, oh, finally the shit is gone. Clean it up. Put it in the toilet. Walk down the hallway. I step in a second pile of shit. <laughs> I, I am, and this is within we're, we're three minutes in at this point. I'm like. Fuck! And you're like grandma was wrong. The worst part is now. Yeah. <laughs> if there is a god, he saves the worst part of your life for the the hallway for the three dying dogs. <laughs> so I go to the, the the second bathroom and I'm doing it again and I'm washing the the same thing. I'm washing I can't. it and I come I can't. back to the hallway to make sure there's no more shit on the on this this runner. I'm like I just now I have to like inspect it to make sure. I step in the biggest pile of shit no, yet. The biggest one no, yet. Three. <laughs> no, the rule of three is <laughs> crazy. I'm, and what I was doing at the moment was looking to make sure there wasn't any. This time it's the biggest one of all. I mean, it's like, it's up to my back. You know, I, I have a jacket on. I have a tuxedo. I'm wearing a tuxedo <laughs> with a hat. Chewbacca. <laughs> I'm, I'm Chewbacca. You're in a onesie. And I'm like, oh my God. Now I'm almost trapped. I can't, there's so much shit I can barely get to the bathroom. Oh, and God. And I have just a piece of... And when you step on it, you activate it. Like oh, all the, I know. All the Slurching nuance, and hookworms and everything about it is bad. And I'm like, I can't believe this. And I say to uh, my kid, I go, I, I'm like, please get me some toilet paper. And she runs into the bathroom and she rips off... Very, not enough. I mean, she's still just a baby. But she comes back with with, a, with toilet paper and it's like... This is the first thing she's ever helped me with. Wow. This is the first time she's ever assisted me in anything. And it's yeah. like, she's, she's a member of the family. You saying she's, that, like me being able to say to Leela, go get me toilet paper is unbelievable. Uh, uncon- inconceivable. This is my IMAX. Yeah. Like, thinking about that is incredible. And she was like there and helping. Yeah. And like, 
it, well, you, listen, it, it could have been better. She could have gotten me a scrub brush and some Lysol, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and a pamphlet to S- yeah. Sex Addicts Anonymous. But uh, <laughs> it was such a crazy experience. Like wow. I just could. It was. I, it was almost made the whole th- the three pile uh, three pile night a three pile night. It made it almost worth it because I was like, she's she's sitting here. She's a member. She's a helpful member of the family. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, Lee is is really coming to life in new and exciting ways. It's really fun. Um, I don't have a three shit story. But no, but you will. I mean, that's and and they won't be that interesting to anybody else. But the shit definitely that helps. Is, that well, the helps. shit helps. Yeah, the shit that's helps. That's just a good shit story. Yeah, that's a classic good shit story. Have you ever shit your pants? No. When was the last time? No, I have not. You've never shit your pants. No, I've been. I have been very lucky. I've been. I've done the drive where you have a full twelve inches. Between your ass and the seat, you know what I'm talking about. No, you've never done that where you're going to shit your pants, but you where you're clenching you're and clenching, elevating. So you're driving like you're doing a um, like a bridge in yoga. Yeah, you know, but you're, you have your hand on the on the wheel, your ass <laughs> is clenched, and you're and you're just. You're I hoping. love that you're saying that like everyone knows that move. <laughs> I think you're I, clenching I, and elevating to not shit your pants. To not shit your pants, you you clench your butt up. It's very dangerous. But uh, no, yeah, I've no, never shit. I've just, never shit my pants. What if that was a PSA? Don't do the bridge. Just, <laughs> just let it let it go. <laughs> no, I've never. I've never shit. You've have you ever shit your pants? No, not since I was a kid. No, I mean I'm not saying I. I, I mean I've gotten to the edge. I've gotten to yeah. the true razor's edge, and so that can I can only imagine that as I get older. You know I, when you're pooping before you've even hit the seat? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And it's the full thing. It was like, <laughs> but it's the full thing too. What do you mean? You're just done. Yeah. It's just like, we're finished. (laughs) All done. Check, please. (laughs) And then my child comes in with a check for me to wipe my ass with. Oh, my God in heaven. (laughs) What a beautiful story. Um, Should I? That feels nice. But should I tell you about monogamy? Yeah. Um, So those are my, my, my widgets on the road. Got through Burning Man. Got through multiple Burning Mans. And you know one thing that is true about me is that I I um I don't drink, and I don't flirt with women anymore. I I just don't ever allow myself to go there because I'm I'm not. What the was kind your go to flirt? Oh, I don't know. I was I you don't know. I didn't go-to. have a go to. It wasn't like that. I was just I was a very flirtatious person. I was a yeah. very sexual person. So I know that if I some men they get they get they feel some women too they feel alive if they have a flirty night with somebody. Yeah, and then they go home I with their partner. I, I asked Wayne Fetterman. I was like, "What's your vice?" And he was like, "He went flirting." And I was like, "I hate this." <laughs> Quite a vice, but it's a very <laughs> Fetterman said, vice. What I know, your vice has to be killing you. And yeah, he yeah, was yeah. Like I eat fast food every day. Yeah, I was like, go. that's your vice. There we go. I don't yeah. care if you're saying yes. I would like fries with that. Like, get the, <laughs> fuck, get the fuck out of here! It's the fries. It's the fries. Yeah, like I don't let myself go there because I know myself. I'm not. I'm not a person that's gonna be like, wow, that was a that was a funny naughty little night, and then I go <laughs> home to my partner and like you know fantasize that it's uh, it, yeah. it's not like that. It's like what's why I didn't like strip clubs either. Yeah. I always hated strip clubs because I'm like I'm either gonna have I either want to have sex with this person yeah. or not. I don't want the middle ground right. where I'm like in a sexual tango and then I go jerk off in the car or whatever. Right. You know, and then go to a meeting. I was like, what? like, it's been 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, why, why am I not at a, at a brothel? That's how, that's how yeah. I felt at a strip club. Yeah. I, why don't I just go to a house of prostitution and have sex with someone? This yeah. is dumb. Yeah. So I don't flirt. I don't drink. So I don't find myself in, in situations where I'm like, oh, whoops. But anyway, psychologically, what has happened for me is my sexuality has really shifted. I'm not – I don't feel like a person that is uh, – 
withholding my slutty self back anymore. Mm. I have, after years, it's been a long time. I've been with Natasha for uh, almost eight years. Wow. And I, that is where my, that's where it goes. Although I do, I'm not uh, off the point. But my sexuality just goes, uh, in, in this monogamous relationship, I'm satisfied and happy. And I'm not, it's, I've had a, bizarre psychic shift which is i don't feel like a a horny freak anymore i just am like i'm a married man happily married man that is enjoying my life and monogamy doesn't feel like a challenge at all you know what we call that what's that conversion (laughs) is that you think i mean you've been converted right like something i'm not deifying it i'm just saying you were willing yeah so richie Rohr not to overly spiritualize this, says that like there are things in our subconscious. He's like 98% of your behavior is like subconscious. It's all this like hardwired stuff that you really don't have much control over. So the AA like surrender to a higher power thing, he's not even saying that. I'm saying that. He's like saying I am willing. Like when I catch myself having a bad, uh, like a generalizing thought, like this isn't real, but if uh, like an Asian person cuts me off in traffic and this is not real and you catch yourself going like, well, Asian people can't drive. If that happens, my little mantra in that moment is I say, I am willing, meaning I'm willing to be converted. I need help to excise these kinds of thoughts. I can't do it because my brain is stupid and I'm a mammal and all this stuff. And you make patterns and you're trying to survive and you're an idiot. Right. But going, I'm willing, but you're getting married was this like, ceremony and it was a beautiful ceremony this act of saying essentially i'm willing you the whole thing you threw your hat over the wall and you said i'll be able to climb this wall and i'll get my hat yeah that's exactly and, right and it happened and it happened and this is how mammals work and that's what c- ceremony is for right and ritual is for and commitment and language and honesty and and dialogue these things help us be transformed in ways that we can't do to ourselves and beyond the ceremony itself like you know i was thinking about this the other day that you know, I went to therapy for uh, a, a lot of thing, things happened. But like, you know, when I was, I don't know how much time we have left, but when I was 16, my state funding on my therapy ran out. And I don't, you, you know about my childhood, but I was forced, mandated to go to therapy from the age of, uh, it was really got hardcore when I was about 12. But I was in therapy from the time I was six years old until 16. Mm-hmm. And by the, and at the, towards the end of my, uh, of my, tenure as a juvenile delinquent i was in therapy so much I w- there was a time in my life when i was in therapy eight times a week mm. eight sessions yeah. i had five days a week of uh those group are woody th- allen numbers <laughs> yeah i had five days a week of rehab group therapy i had individual for therapy family therapy and uh and something else i don't remember there's some one other thing mm-hmm. anger management or something and when i turned 16 i was six months sober and the state funding of my therapy ran out and i made a dedication to myself that I uh, that I would never go back to therapy as long as I lived. I was like, I'm never going back. And I didn't. And then I was about, I don't know, maybe 28 or 29, and I, my love life was a bit of a, 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 of a minefield, you know, and a, a wasteland, I guess. And, uh, and I was like unclear why I couldn't find love and a relationship, unclear why. I mean, I knew that there was pathology involved or addictive behavior, but I was just like, why? I kept, because when I was earlier in my life, I was like, I'm just waiting around for the right person. You know, I'll just, I'll be out here fucking until I find the right person. And then 10 years went by and I go, oh, it couldn't, because I would, then I would date people and they would seem like I liked them. And then I would have an emotional shutdown and fucking bail. You know, I used to call it the executioner switch mm. when my l- l- lights would go out and I would just be like, I got to get out of here. Mm. And, uh, and I was like, I, oh, 
I, it's not about the right person. I'm not waiting for the right person because the problem is me. Obviously, mm. I've met mm. all these other people. Is it possible all of these people are broken and I'm right? I'm just yeah. waiting for like Princess Charming to pop up. Right, right. I was like, there's no way. And then I was like, Isn't, well, yeah, please. It's funny that there, women are looking for Prince Charming and men were supposed to be looking for Sleeping Beauty. We're sort of back <laughs> right, right. to acting like exactly. their genitals. Yeah. This is an accommodating, Fascinating, gentle, yeah. fair, silent receptacle right i'm not saying that's what women are i'm just saying this is part of right. that story and become famous be prince charming and you'll right. get sex yeah right yeah. and so i i started to realize like i need to change it's me it's got to be me it's obviously me it's not about waiting around for the right person it's got to be me yeah. so i went to there I, I i well I, I was like well maybe i should go to therapy and i was like but i said i would never go to therapy again mm. and then i had this other thudding realization this moment like the stare moment where i go i'm not going to live my life as a thir- almost 30-year-old man, based on the decisions I made as a 16-year-old yeah, recently right. sober drug addict. Moshe, you're doing it, man. That's beautiful. <laughs> that, it was just this moment of truth. And I went to therapy. I went back to therapy. Yeah, that's good. And I started to process, and it felt like it did no good. What I was going to say, what's good isn't going to therapy or not going to therapy. The, the, what I was praising was your agency. Right. Saying, like, vows are helpful until they're not. Yes. And you can go, exactly. why am I, 16-year-old Mush is gone. Right. I'm here. Why would this adult live on the decisions made by this traumatized kid? Yeah. Fresh out of rehab. Yeah. Like, of course he That's didn't want to go to therapy. That's not a good time to make a, a vow. Yeah, exactly. Your brain wasn't even fully formed. And right. you had done a lot of things to your brain. I'm not trying to be funny. I guess I should start doing drugs again. That's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's actually, in a way, honestly, that there is a part of that that goes, wait. Everything was fake then. Everything was trauma. I remember there was a time when you went through that where you were like, should I start smoking weed again? I was on the fence with psychedelics. I was about to do it. And then Natasha got pregnant. And I was like, I don't want to mix these stories together. Uh, I don't want my journey back into taking drugs uh, because I uh, to be mixed up with my journey into parenting because yeah. it's very, I just didn't want that. Who was it that I was talking to about? I was like, because I was sort of making the argument that psychedelics aren't a drug in that way. And they were like... When I was in the program, NA, they were like, I knew guys that were taking LSD every day and riding their motorcycle and going to work. And I was like, right, you can abuse You can abuse anything. anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, but I did. I got you really... You abused Lysol. Uh, 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 Lysol abused me. <laughs> I got really close to taking psychedelics again. I was going to people that you I know. I think you talked to me about yeah. it. And I might have been like, I don't know. I was probably open to the conversation. I think it's a good conversation. Yeah. I might do it. I might still do it. Yeah. Well, you know, that guy Rick Doblin on my show that you... you did the episode of my yeah. show uh-huh. the guy rick doblin the work that they were doing with psychedelics for uh, maps the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies like what they're doing is amazing yeah they're, they're literally healing people from with, with combat related ptsd yeah. With, yeah, with, molly. With, with molly and and i was like well maybe this is a part of me that i could go back to as an adult same kind of thing by the but, way i feel like that's missing from the conversation which is like if you take molly like because when i took mdma I did all the research and they were like, just know that if there's something you're trying to not deal with, it might, it's probably going to come up. And I was like, thanks for the warning. Right. Like I needed that. I didn't have anything that harrowing, but I was like, this isn't just let's dance to MGMT. Right. Well, it makes perfect sense, actually, the work that they do. I mean, what PTSD is, as far as I understand it, is that you have a memory so traumatic that you build a wall around the memory 
so you'll never access the memory. It's too tender. It's too vulnerable. And then because of the wall, you start making these crazy decisions, these trauma-fueled decisions. in Ex- your Exactly. Yeah, you're trying yeah. to drive down the road, and yeah. there's a fucking huge speed bump. And sometimes you need someone in the car that goes, do you always drive this huge circular detour? And yeah. they're like, what do you mean? This yeah. is the way to work. Exactly. And you're like... I think we need to work on this. But the one thing you can never do as a person with PTSD is ever, ever jump over the wall and examine what's in there. Ever. That, that is the scariness. That's the scary place. Yeah. And what MDMA does is it makes nothing scary. It, makes, it, it breaks down every wall. Right. That's why it was a relationship drug in its, in its infancy. And so they take these combat, recently returned combat veterans. They give them this very rigid, regimented thing where they do like – uh, a, a male female therapy team that does like eight sessions and then you do one molly the one mdma session where you go to the memory and then you do more talk therapy and you go back their recovery rates and they they, they claim recovery not uh, not get better but asymptomatic of combat ptsd is something like 80 percent or 70 percent and the talk therapy alone the traditional therapy alone is 30 it's the inverse wow. percentage it's wow. the it's the small number wow. in the so what they're doing is incredible yeah um and at any rate that was a bit of an i aside. think we probably talked about how bill w in the big book was he, sort of like we need to look into this he did it yeah he did it bill wilson did lsd straight yeah. up and yeah. it's like a weird thing that people in AA don't really want to talk about yeah no, when they that. talk about it they go they kind of like because he's become deified in AA, they go like oh well that was him and he you know at the time the, christians the. are the same way with jesus and wine by the way right They're like well water was dirty so you had to drink wine it's yeah like, it's like just read what's there it's jesus the, talks about being at a party when he made water into wine in the story everyone's drunk uh-huh. the punchline of that story is usually you bring out the good wine uh, the bad wine, whatever. The point is, there's a, me- a mention of like, you bring out the best wine now after everyone's drunk. Right. Usually you bring out the bad wine when everyone's drunk, but Jesus's wine was so good. He was at a party where everyone's fucked up. That's awesome. So it wasn't yeah. just, it's more uh, our Latter-day Saint friends who struggle with the wine because, you know, Catholics, red wine is the official beverage of Catholicism. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also, um, there's also... The Bill Coffee w, is the real long. problem with Bill W that people Jeez. really don't want to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. Is he was obsessed with niacin? At least, oh, L, at least B L, vitamins. Yeah, at least LSD has like fun mythology connected to it. And yeah, enlightenment. He was really into niacin so much so that they were like, "Hey, Bill, stop pushing the fucking niacin, dude. You want to look in my cabinet? There's a lot of fucking niacin <laughs> because I did research on niacin, and it's it can work wonders for depression too. Like, right? Uh, there well, was that's a story. Uh, and all of that is obviously linked into the psychology of of addiction as well but um there, there there's this movie called food matters where they talk about this and there's this guy tells a story where she was so depressed she she wouldn't leave the corner like literally like like the the dunce cliche of like facing the corner it's very sad they just started giving her like i don't want to make up the number but many thousand milligrams of niacin and then, like, she got better. And then her doctor was like, I don't know if you should be taking that much niacin. And then it was back to the corner. So it's, like, a very sad story. And he's making the point that, like, he has the numbers of how many people die from prescription anti... Uh, or not just antidepressants, but all sorts of prescriptions going wrong. And he's like, throughout all of known time, it's, like, 20 people have died from vitamin overdoses. Uh-huh. He's like, what are we doing? Right. And do- niacin is... Research it. Do people, it all. People that are listening. Um, I When I was trying to... Because I've tried to quit many times. Niacin? Yeah, I'm addicted to niacin. <laughs> okay. No, but when I wanted to stop drinking, 
there were all these like little, what are you doing? I, I was experimenting with niacin. I would take a lot of niacin before I went out. You know, we used to take niacin when I was in rehab because there was a rumor and maybe a true rumor that if you took a niacin overdose or whatever, uh, you would get a clean piss test. That it would, it would flush your, your oh, urine really? out. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so I did a lot of things to pass piss tests. One didn't time, work. The niacin didn't work for me. The problem with all the uh, the problem with all the strategies to beat piss tests is that they eventually stop working. Uh, they work golden seal, then then they stop working, then you What's get busted. Golden seal? golden seal is a kind of tea, like a detox tea that people would would try. Oh. Then there was vinegar. People would say vinegar. If you drank like a cup of uh, half a cup of vinegar a day, you'd get a clean piss test. One time, I had a piss test the next day, and I was like freaking out. And I went and I I stole a bottle of uh, a full quart of vinegar, and I walked into a Wendy's bathroom. And I filled up a Wendy's cup with vinegar, cup and I drank the whole. I drank two full medium-sized cups of vinegar. This I walked out me. into the street with the most agonizing stomach ache of my life. I fucking puked my guts out. It was like I was like felt like I was about to die. I drank a bottle of vinegar in like thirty seconds, and worse than shit foot three shit foot. <laughs> Triple shit foot. I'm fucking puking all over the sidewalks of Oakland. I mean, I literally felt like I was going to die. To die. I went home. I slept for 12 hours. I got up the next day, pissed in the cup. Clean, baby. Oh, my <laughs> it God. It worked. Give it a whirl. <laughs> and the oh best part was that Jesus. night my mom made dinner, and I just I puked on the salad, and it was delicious. It was really nice. <laughs> that is fine. I was looking an, for a salad. An, an Italian man walked along. He puked up olive oil. It was beautiful. <laughs> I too need to pass him a piss test. No, Kumail rubbed his forearm <laughs> over your salad. He looked shiny. He did. I he get looked that. shiny. I'd shine it up too. So I, um, I went to therapy. I, 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 I went and I examined my relationship stuff, and I, I did the work, a lot of work, and nothing changed. I mean, habitually, I, I got, wor- I got worse. I, the, the Lysol story was way after I went to therapy. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And nothing changed. Um, you know, I had some moments of getting better. I had greater understanding. I describe it now as I was preparing the house, though the yard was a bit of a mess. Right. I was preparing the house and I, I was still just a mess. I mean, by the end of my, my dating life, it was like it got so transactional that I would be playing. I remember I'd be playing a video game. And I would be on with one hand and I'd be texting people on the other. And then somebody would agree to come over. The, a, a partner would come over. I'd press pause on the video game, turn the TV off, have a sex, have a sex. And uh, and then when she would leave, I would press play on the video game and keep playing. Wow. That's how transactional sex had become yeah. for me. Anyway, then I met Natasha and we started dating. I demurred for a while. I didn't sleep with her because she was a friend and a coworker and a colleague. And I withheld uh, for a while and um and finally we started getting romantic and then and then you know long story then short things got frantic then things then got things frantic that were small got gigantic <laughs> talib quali bro okay okay <laughs> and then i've been married to her for i don't know 5 years and she it's like in the end it was both i needed to get the house ready but i also was waiting for the right person to come along Interesting. i just needed to like set off a bunch of mines this whole time yeah. and wait 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 and get get everything prepared and then wow. there she was and here i am wow and then we got this kid and you have a baby handing you tp yep and it's it, it all worked out obviously i'm happy to hear that i don't even want to say that that's awesome really fun life's good life and is good. same for you man I don't want to go too into dad territory, but you're just like, what were we doing before this? 
It is a rearrangement. It's a you know. I just mean like it seems stupid. My friend, like I, they send us screeners. I haven't watched anything. Sure, there's no time, and I don't mean that in the bad way. I mean that in the like. I said when Val was in labor, it's the opposite of looking at your phone. Something is happening. Right. It's just tribal drums. Yeah. And it's real. And it's finally happening to you. I know it was happening to Val, but it was happening to me in my way. And that's what parenting is, too. You're like, this is the realest shit. There's like, not bad consequences. There's just like consequence. Like, you do this, you bond. Like, the fact that one of my greatest achievements, fuck. You know, I, I like my showbiz achievements. I'm just saying, when Val is holding Lee, and the cliche is that the baby, everybody's just like, baby loves mom. Just I, so many people were just like, just wait till they're like three, then they'll like dad. I was like, I can't, I don't accept that. And when Val is holding little baby Lee, and she reaches for me, I'm like, fucking a, that's way better than Grand Theft Auto. You know, the good thing is that the word Dada is much easier for babies to say first word? than Mama. Yeah. Don't feel special. It's no, I know. I knew, she didn't issue. Know. I knew she didn't know what she was saying. She calls everything Dada. No, I'm just saying that's for the, the male Oh, I ego. know. Mama is hard to say. For the male ego, that's nice. They yeah. give us a little something. You know, my theory, my grand theory on childbirth, the best system for the father is cesarean. I'll tell you what. Maybe not for the mother, but when a cesarean birth, the mom is so knocked out on drugs. You get first crack. You because obviously the the physiological connection between mother and baby is, is already established. unbreakable and yeah. Unsta- yeah. established. So you have to hold the baby. It, the first few hours is you with the baby. Yeah, and you, you know it's very funny. You know you can also do that without an invasive surgery. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, you know it's very funny. This is really what happened. Um, no judgment to C-sections, by the way. No. Invasive is just a clinical term. It's, they're better. It's, it's an invasive. No, they're not, better. It's better. What's better? Uh, C-section? C-sections, yeah. Um, they're better than vaginal birth. And also breastfeeding is a is a, a, is a lie. Okay, but anyway. Um, oh, and the earth is flat. And also. I nine, love But um, this is true. I had the baby. I didn't have the baby. Natasha had the baby. She was knocked out. I was holding her first hours. You know, took a nap with her. That was like one of the first things. Uh, and then the. The nurse came in to give her like her to give her something, take her away from me, and I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Like I was like freaking out. I was alone. Natasha was like knocked out, and I was scared, and I just was overwhelmed. And I went across the street, and then all of a sudden, I got really hungry, and I went across the street, and do you know what I ate? I my hand to God. Two cups of vinegar. Two buttermilk donuts like <laughs> i swear to god I got oh <laughs> my god i don't know what that means you can take the boy out of the <laughs> donut shop bakery wow. <laughs> take the boy out of the bakery you wow. take the hole out of the boy but you can't take the donut out of the man I don't, yeah something in that wild that is, that is always my advice to dads is i was like there's a lot of stressing that the mom hold the baby skin to skin but i was like we talked about my feelings about my body shirt off hold the baby yeah. immediately just weird naked half naked man another advice bit i have that i that i wish someone had told me i got a lot of great advice but uh but the one that i wish someone had told me maybe i told you this uh is i thought that the moment the baby was handed to me was supposed to be the most profoundly emotionally uh revolutionary experience of my life yeah and i was supposed to go like this is why this creature yeah. my destiny is this the little I, boy i love this thing more than anything i didn't know what love was i felt mostly confusion 
like I felt I, I and some people have that like Jesus on the on the on the mountaintop moment with their child the first you. moment. I did not. I was Val like maybe this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was like I don't know if I'm the kind of person that was supposed to have kids. That was my maybe my first thought. Wow. And I wish I could have known that that's common for dads. Yeah, that's or interesting. for people. Well, it becomes real. Yeah, it was. It's just all terror. cute. There's the big belly, and then it becomes very, very real. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Val and I had to slowly. It was more like your, your. I want to speak carefully here, but it's like later you fall so hard in love with the baby, and then you look back and you're like, "Wow, I didn't really know her yet." When she of came course. out, there's just a like a bloody wet baby. And you do love it, but not in the way you're gonna love it in a month. That's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it didn't feel like a, a, a an emotional angel singing. It felt like a bomb had just dropped in my in my arms. I just I'm gonna. Didn't... Here's my hypothesis. I I feel like men in my father's generation just weren't experiencing the swath, the spectrum of emotional highs, the revelation. I I can fucking trip out on a sunbeam on an airplane. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like that's because I'm modern man. I'm Mm. I'm living with that vulnerability and that exposure. I feel like so many dads were just working their asses off, drinking their fucking asses off and whatever the fuck. And then this baby drops in their lives and that might've made it more of an intense thing because they had no other connection to God. (laughs) That's interesting. I mean, it could be, I just think like, some dads get that, some moms get that, and some don't. And for me, just like my experience with romantic love, my experience with parental love was an unfolding. It was not an explosion. Yeah, that's right. And the thing that I would say is however it's happening for you is okay. Exactly. And it's good. Yeah. And and that goes you joked about breastfeeding. That is also true. Right. Like whatever is happening is good and is okay. okay. Yeah. Totally. And isn't it a miracle? There was an Adam ruins everything about breastfeeding that Val Val's uh um struggled a little bit. And then when we watched that, we were like, I texted Adam. I was like, you've done a mitzvah. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm like, that's a mitzvah. You did a gift. Yes. Because you put together half hour of TV that I felt better. I wasn't struggling with breastfeeding, obviously. I'm I'm milky as the way. And also the idea... That the 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 amount of time you spend drinking a beverage is gonna create how close you are to your family for the rest yeah. of your life. It's a it's a little overwrought, but that's neither here nor there. It's important. I do acknowledge that it's important. Yeah, no, sure. Um, but it, one of the Adams and everything's point is is it's a fucking miracle. Babies used to die. Totally. Moms couldn't breastfeed. That's as formula is a miracle. Formula is a fucking miracle. Yeah, totally. It's fucking crazy. I do recommend the German ones. Yes, we also did that, which you know, mixed 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 feelings for me. What do you mean? German, you know, Germany, you know, Brexit, Boris Johnson. That's your problem with Germany? Yeah. Yeah, they've pushed the they pushed the UK out. And so are as you, a Jew, are you Jewish? <laughs> you know there's a midrash that says if you believe everyone's a Jew, you're an idiot, but if you believe no one's a Jew, you're a bigger fool. When you saw my baby, you said how beautiful she was. And I was like, something came up about how goy she looks. And I was like, what if I was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying oh that. Oh, my God. Oh, I sometimes will say. It, of do, course, these are jokes. When I do do crowd work, I'll ask someone if they're Jewish. And they'll be like, no. I go, what do you mean? No. <laughs> what do you mean, no. It should be. Oh, no. I wish. I, gosh, I wish I was, though. I forget which holiday it is that uh, rabbis or, or, or Hasidic people will ask if you're Jewish on the street. Oh, that's uh, that holiday is called every day. Ooh. <laughs> 
no oh it's not a holiday no it's a it's a movement it's a movement and whenever they ask me i'm like oh my god you think i'm something i once brought a guy to that i'm a spray of febreze that's my race (laughs) (laughs) i once brought i'm a spray of lysol that's mine that's hilarious i once brought a guy to that sect of judaism it's called chabad and they're the nice hasidic jews are very friendly and gregarious. they're the ones with the big bus and they're, they're the like ones you with gotta the bus. meet the rabbi and when they the say are you, if anyone ever says are you jewish that's a hasidic that's a chabad hasid they're very nice they really are very nice yeah they've had a very weird situation happen with their their big rabbi their big rabbi died and they thought that uh, he was actually the messiah and they were really left in the lurch when he died and then about half of them were like oh he's coming back and i was like i feel like i've heard this story before wow. i feel it almost ripped them all apart. the christians are like you got three days <laughs> yeah they're like you're almost right it's not him though <laughs> but they'd almost split them apart but they're the biggest movement has but what Judaism. did they want to happen for the for the guy that they had been convinced did they think he would usher in the end of times yeah mashiach yeah he's the guy wow and 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 the reason they're on the streets is because of that guy that guy was this charismatic leader of the Hasidic of the Hasidic movement called Chabad, which is an old school Hasidic movement. And then all of a sudden, in modern times, their their ultimate rebbe came along. The way Hasidic Jews work is they have a rebbe, and it's a lineage, and it's passed down usually in the family. Leader, 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 leader. Like Dalai Lama. This yes, exactly. Like this guy comes along. He doesn't have children. He is a super genius, brilliant you know a tzaddik they would call him like a glowing ho- he's a he's ram das yeah he's exactly ram das and he doesn't have kids and he never re- and he says mashiach is coming the messiah is coming and the way that he will come is with one more mitzvah one more good deed one more thing will like just one more will make him come so get out into the streets and make more mitzvahs happen. That's why there are men oh. across the world oh, asking people give... if they're Jewish. But... Because if you put the to, the prayer thing on, you do the prayer, that's mm. one more mitzvah done that might usher in the messianic age. Wow. And he was basically strongly intimating that it was him. And everybody, everyone thought it was him. And the real question is, did he think it was him? Because mm. he didn't name a successor. He didn't have a kid. He said, he's coming. And then he died. And then they were like, what? And uh, half of them thought he was going to be resurrected. Really? Yeah, it was a it was a That's trying time because Buddha died and and Buddhism thrived, obviously. Yeah, but it there's a I, Messiah. That's our idea. All of the ones you guys have, we made it all right. They, that's like, why they we, believe that the Messiah is coming. But that's why we needed Christ. This the the He's going to come back story. Right. Right. Because because it wasn't complete. The Messiah is not supposed to die. The way that I look at it, I'm like, no, it's it's com- it's complete. It's already here. It's you don't here. think he's coming back? That's not important to me. That's right. not part of my gotcha beliefs or non beliefs. Um. Anyway, I once brought a guy. A young man was like, I I'm Jewish. I want to come to um temple and we were like at a t- for some reason at that time we were going to a chabad temple why will they only do it to jewish people though sorry because that's what the mitzvahs are the mitzvahs are jews what, what what's a bigger mitzvah than getting than praying inner inner interfaithfully i mean you're now in the zone where why not like, just feed a homeless person hey i hear that is a mitzvah i know but why not person. get some fucking sandwiches on the street why are you trying to what, what i don't like is anything that that becomes a little bit too tribal i know i'm talking to about judaism right now and i understand sure there's some sensitivity here but i'm just saying like 
aren't we all children of God? Wouldn't that genius... I have a feeling that that genius ra- rabbi would be like, yes, we're children of God. Yeah, he would. and he would be, But he would also say, but it's only the Jews that are su- uh, supposedly n- need to follow these specific set of commandments. Right. I don't know. I don't believe in any of it. And I think Christians are, are as as tribal as Jews, but in a more nefarious way. They, oh, of course. Why do you say, think I'm turned off by they it? They would say... Yes, all children of God should pray together, but only this way. Yeah, it's no, the same exact thing. No, that's what I don't like. That's why I, I like my, my faith very liberal, and it's like these are Buffet. just these are just sign points. They're I'm sign with po- you. But I, I have a feeling anybody that people thought was the Messiah was loving more liberally than what is your bloodline. Mm, no? Well, I once brought this guy to a Chabad temple mm. that, who wanted to check out Judaism, mm. and the guy walked up to him, and he goes... The rabbi goes, are you Jewish? I know this story. And the guy goes, well, yeah. Well, well, one of my parents is. He goes, oh, your mother or your father? And he goes, oh, my dad? And the rabbi extends his hand and goes, 100%, 100% Gentile. Gentile. <laughs> wow. Which was the, one of the worst, the worst moments of my religious life. But I'm not an Orthodox Jew, so I don't need... The whole thing about Orthodox Judaism is the same thing with fundamental Christianity. It's rule-based. It's all about rules. No, I know. In and out. It's building walls. Yeah, it's all about rules. It's not MDMA, break down walls. It's build walls. Feel in, decide who's out. Yeah. It's the classic. It's not just that. It's it's almost every faith. It's like, we're in, you're out, we're in, you're out. Yeah, totally. And that's completely... That's not where I'm at. It's not where I'm at, dog. Um, are we are we wrapping it up? What time is it? Uh, oh boy, Shit, I gotta go. I gotta go too. Can I talk? Can I? Quickly? Yeah, edit this out. Yeah, will you quickly edit this out? Actually, will you edit this and put it at the beginning of the episode? I do have an album coming out. Uh-huh. I would love for you, the people to get it. I'm very proud of it. It's uh, it's an all crowd work album. I, it's like a concept album. It's called Crowd Surfing, and I got this guy Ben Brown, who's like the the sort of preeminent surf punk artist. Uh, to draw the uh, the cover oh, and it's fun. it's just super it's super awesome. Crowd surfing. It's called crowd surfing. It's a it's a it's a concept album that's a hundred percent crowd work, but Who it's opens? not Todd Berry. It's not uh, yeah uh, yeah Don Rickles. It's not um it's not who are you what do you do for a living. It's me. I came up with like specific questions that I asked the the, the audience and they were tell they would tell me stories about some crazy the craziest oh, things that have happened fun. to them. And it's an hour of uh of just like some of the wildest weirdest stories and I'm I'm really happy and proud of oh, it. Oh, good and, for you, Moshi. Yeah, I think people should check it out because it's what I do best on stage. I like my material, but where I shine oh. is in that in between that jazz zone. Yeah, you're the funniest man. I love you, you are too, and I love you too. And uh, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. Would you say it? Keep. Is that what I said? Keep it. Hundred percent Gentile. Hundred percent crispy. One hundred percent crispy. I'll take that. <laughs>